Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and yeah, you guessed it. We got the new generation of systems, baby. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about them a bunch, okay? Yeah, I think that is okay. I'm really excited about this episode. I've been looking forward to it for months, uh, and now it's here, and I don't yeah. even know where to begin. I guess we should begin by saying you and I both got the Xbox Series S, I also now have a yeah. PlayStation 5. We're going to talk about both of those. We're going to talk about the stuff we've been playing on them, how we're feeling about it. So I'm going to hand it over to you because I think you have the more interesting take on the Series S as a person who did not have an Xbox at all last year. Oh. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm just curious yeah. how you're feeling yeah. about it. What, what are your like off the off the jump, uh, jump force by Namco uh, feelings? <laughs> <laughs> about the series S. Well, right off the jump, I'm going to fill my body with excessive amounts of blood and go, ah! And throw it at Frieza for a little bit, as as evidenced by the ads for Jump Force that have haunted me for months and months. But yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like I have a very specific situation getting into Xbox this generation, but I would also wager it's pretty common because Xbox One didn't yeah. sell especially well. I think like, most people went for the PS4 or the Switch or both. Um, and last generation, it was kind of it was kind of not the move to get both the PS4 or Xbox One. Like there was enough yeah. interlap there that you got one. So anyway, I had a 360 back in college, and I really loved it. And that was kind of like my 360 was basically like games that I wanted to play on PC but couldn't. So I had the mm. system that like covered all the great RPGs of that era. There were a lot of great games from that yeah. period, you know, uh, and really good fighting games as well. So like I loved my 360, um, but then it got hacked. Uh, my interface was permanently changed to Russian, and uh, then it stopped working last Yikes. year. So I was kind of, you know blank slate icarus fate of, of the 360 greatness mm-hmm. followed by destruction but as we talked about a lot i was really excited to get back into xbox this generation for stuff like game pass um i thought the series s was like a really cool take on what the next gen could be in that it's kind of more about the service and less about maybe the system itself yeah, i agree but anyway i so i got the series s just quickly like i really like the design of it i think it's the coolest looking it might be a hot take but i think it's the best looking i of am all the so new with you yeah yeah i mean not a hot take the ps5 looks like we said like a, a cheesy diner <laughs> fake greek column <laughs> yeah you know and the ta- the series x looks fine but it looks like a pc tower so like this is like kind of the only one that has any kind of character to it people i think uh our friend andrea uh said in, on twitter is like she's like i don't know what this is but i want to fight it <laughs> and like everyone kind of had different takes on like it either looks like a helper robot or like the minion you fight in like a yeah near it almost looks like an among game. us character now that i'm looking at it standing up <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um i mean it's got the big fan that's like kind of the weird disney yeah, or like a fall guy vibe going on <laughs> Hey, kids, you know the two hot games, Among Us and Fall Guys? The system looks like one of them. It looks like an Among Guy. <laughs> <laughs> or the Fallen Us. Anyway, I think that uh, it's it's really cool. It was kind of weirdly nostalgic to open up the box and like see this controller that I haven't seen in a long time. It took me a while to get used to... like. I haven't had to like remember where the buttons were on a controller mm, yeah. in a long time. Um, I think the Switch, I had that for a little bit, but like, you know, playing Yakuza, which we'll talk about later, it's like, mash X. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know where that is. But yeah, I think like it's so, I guess just like broad strokes, there's a lot to discuss with it. But um, 
the ability to like immediately either download games off Game Pass that I've been wanting to check out for a while from a variety of different generations and the amount of like older games that are on the eStore that are like pretty affordable. Like there are a lot of like 360 games for like 10 yeah. or $20. I impulse bought Final Fantasy 13 because I've never played it and it's like literally the only way I can play it is on mm-hmm. my new Series S. So it was kind of surreal to like have my initial experience with the Series S be largely like glossed up 360 games but like personally i love that and having not been around xbox last generation it does feel like a new system to me i mean it runs really well we talked about how like you can't hear the fan at all but you can feel the heat if you like put your hand on it's doing a really good job of cooling and i'm really impressed at just how like honestly i think the the interface is a bit of a mess but it's also very customizable so like i know if i watch a few tutorials and put in like a whole day to customize it i could probably make it look the way i want to yeah before i played anything i spent like a good i don't know 20 to 30 minutes just like organizing the home screen and now it's in a place that i think is a little bit better i still think it's kind of messy but it's definitely like workable yeah and i also um i i found that like the transitions and how quickly it like will open up different things like it all all feels very smooth and it feels like fun to (laughs) navigate like i i like uh, it's a silly thing to say but i i like how smooth it all feels and i think something we'll probably talk a lot about is the quick resume feature so like basically when you're playing a game uh you can hit the xbox button and it will open up like you know your other tabs basically and like seamlessly just jump between games like the second you let them off and it is something i didn't think i wanted but is like now i can't imagine not having like i feel like when i go play stuff on the ps4 or other systems i'm gonna miss yeah quick resume is a thing that i wasn't i didn't think that it would be um i i'm trying to find anything to use besides the words game changer but uh, here it is uh i i didn't expect it to be a game changer like really at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Luffy D monkey with his blood. Uh, it, quick resume is unreal, like unreal speeds. Yeah. Um, I we were streaming the other night. We were streaming Destiny, and I just like on a whim just decided to show off how fast quick resume was. And it was literally like I pressed the A button to load up Yakuza, and I was in the game like before I could even say, "Okay, here comes quick resume." Like it just happened that quickly. It is shocking yeah. at times, and that like load speed and and faster hard drive and whatever is going on inside this thing extends out to everything else even games that aren't optimized for series s and x you're still getting faster load times across the board i just on a whim this morning decided to load oblivion just to see because like oblivion like tends to have the elder scrolls 4 oblivion let's just let's let's say the whole thing um yeah yeah not the, not the tom, tom cruise, cruise movie. movie yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. common misconception although when i searched oblivion in the store they thought i wanted the movie and i was like you coward same thing yeah i had the same problem what is yeah. wrong with you what do you think i'm spending money on for? i do think that movie is better than people gave it uh shit for it. anyway um <laughs> oblivion uh i mean generally if you go in or out of a building in oblivion it's loading the entire world or it's loading that building and like that'll take a little bit it'll take like 30 to 40 seconds generally on other yeah. systems like on the 360 and whatever it'll take like a, a whole ass minute if you're going from inside a building to outside or the first time you're loading the game it'll take like a pretty long time on the series s it's unreal how fast oblivion loads like they the work that they put into making backwards compatibility like work in the first place just like the ability to play stuff from yeah. xbox one and 360 and and the original xbox that is amazing by itself 
but the fact that the the bedrock for that backwards compatibility also means that faster internals means that those games run even better they get upscaled to 4k in certain instances not i don't know if it's if that's actually true but i think i think it's happening but they're getting upscaled uh and they're loading faster and the performance is overall better uh pretty much across the board on everything yeah. i've played so far i mean even uh yakuza which we'll talk about later like that is a game that is kind of like a de facto launch title for the series x yeah. and s even though it's also on ps4 and like i think it's been out longer in japan so like it's by all means a ps4 game yeah. you know like or it's it's of last generation and that game there we talked about this off the show but like they're on the loading screen there's like a character's portrait and then like a paragraph of tips mm-hmm. and like you know tricks to, to play the game and you can't read them yeah because it's there for like it's like a subliminal flash of that character and then you're in the next area it's loading so quickly, yeah it's literally like the, the the moment your brain recognizes or like notices that there's text on screen that should be read it's already gone and you and you don't have yeah. that. it is it is really that fast um and and we're talking about the series s i imagine on the series x it yeah. might even be faster i'm not sure but uh, it's possible that on the series x it's even faster so like it's a it's stunning how quickly shit loads and i i will mention on the ps5 um same same case on the ps5 for ps5 yeah. games they also load that quickly i i went to go turn on demon souls this morning and it loaded so quickly that i didn't even have time to like go take a sip of coffee which was my original plan i was like oh <laughs> shit I'm, I'm in it um that is not true of ps4 games with backwards compatibility and i think that's mm. one of the biggest differences between the playstation 5 and the xbox series whatever is that work that they've done on the backwards compatibility stuff like that the the quick loading quick resuming all that stuff extends backwards whereas it does not on the ps5 yeah which is kind of a bummer on the playstation angle but i'll talk more about the ps5 later yeah but anyway i i think that i think if you had the xbox one i imagine that getting the series s or x right now will feel like upgrading your phone more than getting a new system yeah i and i think that if you miss the last generation you're going to be really excited to be back that being said, like there isn't really any title that is like next gen. Like the only thing that kind of feels like that is maybe Ori Two because it's so beautiful <laughs> and like runs so well on Series S, which I've been playing as well. Uh, but yeah, I feel like um, I'm just so impressed by the the groundwork that's set. You know, like I feel like it's usually usually when you get a new system, it's defined by like whatever games are with it at that moment. And here it's almost the inverse where like, I mean, don't get me wrong, on a, on a personal level, I'm like so elated that there's like this many older titles to check out and to like get immediately. Like I have 10 games already and I paid for like one, right. you know, I paid for Yakuza. Yeah. So like, that's incredible. Um, I think that Game Pass like constantly being updated and getting games that, you know, like Destiny, for example, we played Destiny 2 together and I didn't have to pay for any of the expansions. They're all just on Game Pass. That's amazing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And then stuff like uh, Mirror's Edge, which is a 360 game that like kind of went under the radar, but like people kind of liked, yeah. you know? Yeah, kind of. That I feel like is getting a whole new breath of life. Yeah, cult classic. That's the kind of game that I'm like willing to check out again on the Series S. It's also on Game Pass. And like, just I, I love having those moments of discovery on this thing. And I think that's only going to grow. So like, even if there aren't like a ton of things available yet, I'm like really impressed by what is currently available. And I imagine Game Pass definitely will be updated. And I can only imagine too, they'll add more and more titles to the eStore. Because like, I looked up Jet Set Radio feature and they're like, not yet. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I'm really a big fan of it. I think the the two big downsides, uh, just to be a little bit critical, the common one that everyone points to is the internal storage. That seems to be a pretty common issue with like almost every system, to be honest. Like I feel like yeah. the Series S probably has more space than the Switch, but like I re- I've bought external storage for all of my systems like pretty quickly after buying them. Right. So I, I wish there was a more straightforward way of of uh, of increasing that. But at the same time, you'll likely have a lot of stuff like from Game Pass that you can always like uninstall and reinstall. Yeah, if you don't mind doing. So that. just to I guess dive into that a little bit on the on the series s and x microsoft does make an expandable storage memory card that you can buy that adds i think a terabyte but it is a whole ass two hundred dollars you know so if if you have that point you should have gotten a series right exactly and if you have a series x and you're already filling up that uh that hard drive then like spending another two hundred dollars on top of the 500 you already spent is like a huge ask so there's that side of it right is that they have this like proprietary memory card that they're making that you can go and buy but also you could buy an external uh hard drive just kind of like any external hard drive off the shelf um you get a powered one or one that's you know powered by usb and plug that into the back but if you do that then you're sacrificing the ability to uh have like fast load times and quick resume and things like that on anything that's installed on that hard drive so there's kind of this give and take there i think um i have already run into like i've, I've run out of space on my series s and i've had to uninstall some things to install some other things because you and i were talking about checking out sea of thieves recently and and that's a game that's like you know 70 gigs or something which takes takes up like a pretty sizable chunk of the internal storage uh, so i had to delete some stuff so i'm running into that already and then on the ps5 uh, i haven't run into it yet but i imagine i'm going to soon because all the ps5 games i'm buying i'm downloading to the ps5 storage internally and then using my external hard drive that i was using on the ps4 for all my ps4 games but i think th- i think it's going to be a problem on both consoles like very quickly for a lot of people and, yeah. and if those costs don't come down for those extra memory cards that they're selling for the xbox then yikes it, like that's going to be like yeah. the big thing it's really like uh, um, everybody complains that that Apple is still selling uh, iPhones with 64 gigs of storage on them uh, as like the base level. You know, that's their like entry price level iPhone. Uh, and like that just doesn't work in a world where people are taking 4K pictures and 4K videos and like downloading more than 15 apps at any given time. Yeah. And like that, I think, is also true of this generation of consoles, not even to mention the fact that these things are playing 4K games with huge file sizes. Like, I think Call of Duty, uh, whatever the new Call of Duty is, like, that thing takes up, I think, a full-ass third of the Series S hard drive by itself. Yeah, I mean, Destiny 2 is, like, basically a third. Yeah. I'm at a little over half capacity, so I've just been, like think about what to get i yeah i hope the cost of the of the uh of the microsoft one comes down because i wouldn't want to sacrifice that too much yeah. i don't know if it's like would you say it's completely gone if you use external storage or is it just like not as efficient yeah it's gone yeah in terms of yeah. the quick load yeah quick, like it's gone. quick resume is gone yeah gotcha no deal howie yeah so I, w- I would like to buy one of those eventually i just i just don't want to spend 200 dollars on it is really where i land at the moment yeah I'll, I'll probably fold eventually if it comes down but i mean yeah so that that's that's the biggest issue i would say the other one that's a little bit more personal to us is the streaming options are like a little bit clunky yeah uh so like first and foremost at at this time of recording uh you can't connect usb mics so like there are many usb ports on the series <laughs> s and you can plug in your fancy microphone and it will be powering your microphone but it's not recognized as a audio device yeah. 
Um, so that's kind of bizarre. And then like to stream, like on the PS4, you just hit share and you're doing it. Yeah. You know, it's really seamless. On the Xbox, you have to open the Twitch app, then open the game and then go back to the Twitch app. And then even when you do that, it will probably not work the first right, so time. You have to start broadcasting, stop broadcasting, and then start broadcasting again. And maybe it'll work that third time. Yeah. And there's and it, like it works. Once it works, it works. Like it does it. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to like share all these games. But I was I was kind of expecting it to at least match or be better than what we've had and it seems like on both systems the sharing capabilities are exactly the same yeah it's it's what it's my biggest like pet peeve i think with the new generation just in general and uh i've been talking to some people in the discord about this and on twitter and stuff because i i do want to recognize like right up front this is kind of an edge case thing uh because not everybody wants to be streaming video games where i push back on that as kind of like a, de- a de- not a defense this isn't a fucking litigation but you know as a defense of that <laughs> uh it is i think that the the easier you make it for people the less of an edge case it becomes you know yeah, i i totally. think i think that in both instances in for the xbox and the and the uh playstation last generation having any streaming tools at all built into the thing was so forward thinking it was so incredible for people to be able to stream directly from their consoles and that caused more people to do it because because that was even uh, an option because people didn't need to buy external capture cards or like figure out how uh, OBS works and things like that or XSplit or whatever the fuck you were using. You were you were immediately streaming with like almost no setup time whatsoever. It was incredible. What's bumming me out about these consoles is that they haven't updated that streaming capability literally at all in like most instances going, you know, to your extent, like you can't even plug in a USB microphone to the Xbox. But outside of that, just having it be like this backwards and difficult and like not working and like having this many layers of frustration between uh, bet- between wanting to stream and streaming means that fewer people are going to do it. That doesn't work, I think, when you're looking at this console generation in five years time, because streaming is becoming more and more important to like even just marketing for games, you know, being one of the top five games on the Twitter Twitch browse section is like one of the best pieces of marketing you can have as a game studio publishing a thing and to have on the console level that streaming capability be so kind of like hampered by the software itself means that fewer people are going to be doing it i my worst fear going into these this console generation was that both playstation and microsoft were going to recognize the fact that they could beef up the streaming capability and somehow turn those videos and turn those vods into like ads for the playstation 5 or xbox series s and x there's an alternate universe version of this where like anytime you stream from the xbox there's a big fucking microsoft logo on your stream <laughs> or a big fucking playstation logo or on a your big stream. monsanto newsletter yeah yeah. yeah, like that. That was my fear, and to to have the exact opposite happen, yeah, is shocking to me. What I wanted was a middle ground between those two, right? Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just I think that there's this like untapped potential here uh, because people love to share their games. I mean, on both consoles now, you know, we had this on the PS4, but now on the PS5 and the Xbox Series, uh, there is a there's a share button. You know, there's a capture button to allow you to take screenshots and videos. On the PS5, it allows you to stream, and on the Xbox, it doesn't. I'm just like shocked that they didn't put more functionality in there. But yeah, anyway, that that's my big gripe. Honestly, on, on the same side, I am excited to be able to stream these games too. Like it still works. Yes. Like, once you get it up and running, like we'll be able to share Oblivion. We'll be able to share like a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I mean it's going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong. We've already streamed a whole bunch from both of our Xboxes, and it's oh yeah, sick. yeah. And weirdly, um, 
the screenshot function is the best of any system like it uh, rules like it's because you know every other system you have to like uh, it's like three steps to upload a screenshot here it's like literally one press of a button and it could be uploaded to whatever linked twitter account you have yeah um the amount the amount of people who well yeah the amount of people who have uh, like secondary twitter accounts for uploading screenshots from switch or ps4 is like kind of a bummer i think like there should be better functionality there the thing that i think they really got right on the xbox side is that if you have the xbox app downloaded and you take a screenshot it just goes into the app and then you can save it to your phone like it's so easy yeah um i just i that functionality is something that i've wanted for a really long time and i'm so stoked about it and i've already taken so many screenshots with the with the series s yeah it's so the fact that they have that going but not more streamlined streaming for lack of a better word yeah is kind of bizarre and i feel like the capability is still there they just have to like update it you know like there's nothing yeah ho- even still there's nothing holding the system back to having a better system in place um it just needs to happen like yeah. i i would wager i hope that the usb mic scenario could be fixed although that being said i got a fancy new headset uh that has a really <laughs> surprisingly good mic so that i use that in the ori stream and that will probably be my default for xbox uh streams but anyway all that's kind of exciting you know there's some there's some uh frustrations here and there but like overall i feel like usually when i get a new system there's always this kind of panic of buyer's remorse that like eventually settles in and i (laughs) don't have that with the series s which is kind of miraculous given that there's like nothing out for it yet you know yeah um i i think it might be aided by the fact that i didn't have an xbox one so there's a sort of like return to xbox it's kind of weirdly nostalgic i feel like i'm like, i mean especially when they're like put double a batteries in your new controller i'm like what century am i in then we played soul <laughs> caliber 2 together i'm like i got an achievement on my secret xbox 360 what is this uh <laughs> see i really love the series s honestly i think like i mean i haven't played the ps5 but i feel like my my plan is to get a ps5 in like april for my birthday uh mm-hmm. i want to wait like a few months and then get one because like honestly i feel like i do feel like i now have my foot in the new generation and i'm really excited to see what comes next it's only going to get better and better from here you know i feel yeah. like this and that, that extends backwards to our gripes where like the streaming stuff could get updated in a totally. software patch at any point you know the usb thing same thing there storage wise that's going to be a little bit harder to fix via software uh but eventually those costs are going to come down and then we'll be fine from a hardware perspective also so like i think all of these like gripes are really just were people who bought a console on launch day which is a thing that like totally generally i would recommend to not do and honestly like this is kind of I think one of the better case scenarios for launch, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking so about yeah. the switch arguably probably had the best launch in terms of games. Cause like that came out, mm-hmm. I mean, Nintendo is always, uh, except for the Wii U, which, you know, rest in peace, but every mm-hmm. Nintendo system has come out with like a generation defining game. Um, yeah. But then there's always the fear of like, is that it? Like I remember when the switch came out and it came out with breath of the wild, everyone was like, Oh my God, this is like immediately maybe the best game ever, but it was also out for the Wii U. And ev- and I kept thinking like, okay, I want to play breath of the wild, but I don't know if I want to buy a switch just for that. That's always right. the bump with Nintendo is like, do I want to buy this system just for this one game? And I feel like the series S is almost the opposite where you are buying it for like the experience you're going to have and the, and the capabilities that are there. And it's already has this like extensive backlog of games that you'll probably be excited to pick up. I mean, there's so much on Game Pass already. Like the fact that you can have a financing option for the Series S and a, a subscription to Game Pass for the first month is th- free. There's a version of this where you get into the next generation for like $35 and you have access to hundreds of games. Like, that is amazing. Yeah. 
This is a thing that uh, I was talking about a little bit on Twitter, but just looking at, you know, the two consoles in general, um, there there is this kind of like effort on the Microsoft end to lower the barriers to entry to gaming in general that I like really appreciate. And, you know, no ethical consumption under capitalism, uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but I do think that like having a point of entry that is $35 to a next generation console with Game Pass included is like one of the wildest deals of all time. And and I don't know, it's just it's it's an incredible thing. And if you can get into it, like you absolutely should, like if, if that's a thing that you're comfortable doing, it's fucking great, man. I I love yeah I, I'll say this much as a person who had the the uh, Xbox one s yeah so I had like the digital edition of of the Xbox one um, it was my third Xbox one that I had had over the course of that console's life cycle I got one at launch uh, to play Titanfall, the first Titanfall, um, and then finished that game and then looked at the next eight to 12 months of, of game announcements and realized there was nothing coming. So I sold it because there was nothing coming. Um, I eventually got one again at one point and then uh, ran out of money as like a human and then needed to like sell a bunch of my stuff <laughs> uh, to afford the apartment that I was living in. So then I had to sell my Xbox again. And then I got another, I got, you know, this one that I uh, then upgraded. But even with that console, like, and getting into Game Pass a little bit, I found myself not really playing it that much. I don't know yeah. what it is about the Series S specifically, and and I want to get into this a little bit more when I'm talking about the PS5, but there's something yeah. about the Series S that makes me want to play it in a way yeah. that the One S did not. And I don't... I. It is it is this weirdly imperceptible thing. It might even just be the fact that like shit loads so fast I know it won't take any time. There's literally like removing the barrier to entry from a cost perspective is cool. Removing the barrier to entry to playing games with the 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 cost perspective on on Game Pass is also really cool. You know, just like having this like mountain of choice, but knowing I can swap between them so quickly that it won't even take time, like lowering that barrier to entry at all, like the actual time off my life span is you know is is uh is being considered by microsoft uh is very silly to me um and and i just love the experience of playing it i mean hopping from yakuza to destiny and vice versa uh is fucking great it's so cool i mean the fact that we were like in space you know like, do you want to play soul Calibur 2 together and we like made it happen yeah and like and it was so fast yeah that was incredible. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think like as a person who's coming from you know the previous generation to this one on the Xbox side, it really like you could not pick a better analogy than the one you uh, have about like it's like upgrading your phone because like even when you start uh, the the Series S, it's like did you have a, a previous Xbox and you sign into your account on the Xbox app um, and then like it connects to the Wi-Fi and it knows that you have a new console there um, and it's like oh yeah we'll, we'll just import all your settings from the old one and then you do and it's literally like upgrading from one iPhone to the next it is literally like all your apps are in the same place all your settings are exactly the same there's not really a lot that's changed on the UI standpoint besides from how fast and snappy and quickly it, it it allows you to bounce between things but there's also like a weird comfort in that there's also a weird comfort in this idea that like it's exactly what you remember it's just way better like uh, in yeah. every place that it counts. Um, and, I, and I think that's really, I think that's really wonderful. I will say I haven't used the new controller at all because uh, I have the Elite controller, so I haven't like tried it. But um, you and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday and you were saying you like it a whole lot. I love it. I I think it's great. I mean, it's really comfortable. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Xbox has had like a very rocky history with controllers. Like the first Xbox controller was like just a nightmare. Yeah. Like, I a, didn't really the like the 360 cast. controller either. I mean, that was also my console of choice for that generation, but I didn't really like that controller. I found those buttons to be really squishy. They weren't like, they didn't feel good. Um, yeah, this one is a lot, like first of all, the back of it has kind of like 
ridges so it has like a kind of comfort to it that i yeah. am not used to and it yeah it just feel like it just it's hard to describe but i do really like it I, that actually reminds me i i maybe we can include this article in the show notes i can't remember what publication it was but i read this article uh that was written by a deaf person who was talking about like all the accessibility options for both systems yeah. for like people with hearing or, or or seeing impairments and like what's really good is both generations have invested so much in in accessibility yeah so like i mean i've seen a lot of people tweet about uh in miles like there's like a total colorblind mode where like everything is kind of more uh i guess based on value and then similarly there's a hue based one depending on you know your vision um that's really cool to see you know, I yeah. think that the fact that that's like such an incentive for both systems. So, and there was really like both of them are doing well with it. And the writer of that article cited that this is her favorite controller, uh, mm. which was cool to see. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. Other than the weird AA batteries, which I will eventually get a, re- a rechargeable one, so I'm not just poisoning the earth with like discarded AA batteries. Yeah, it f- it feels weirdly similar to uh, like the new iPhone not coming with a charging brick in the box. Like having a controller that requires AA batteries instead of having a rechargeable rechargeable one in there is like just a very silly thing especially considering you can go out and buy the rechargeable pack that you could just plug into the back it's like why isn't that just the standard uh it's it's really weird but yeah outside of that stuff man i'm i'm loving the series s i really like even and and maybe i could talk a little bit about the ps5 experience real quick but like even in my time playing the ps5 so far i have thought while playing it i actually want to go play the series s (laughs) so anyway the ps5 uh i'll i'll say this much so like you and i were big into ps4 last generation um yeah that was like where we played that was where i played with most of my friends um and and just like loved that thing and didn't really have any reason to not love that thing the entire time there was some stuff about the lead up to this generation that i think made you and i a little bit more like hesitant about jumping into the ps5 immediately because you were you and i were deciding like you and we're both going to get the same thing at launch so like you know for the show pretty much we can both like have kind of similar experiences and we decided on the xbox eventually because of the like game pass thing because of the value of that thing um, yeah the playstation side seemed to just be they were treating this generational upgrade the same way they've treated every generational upgrade which is just the thing is more powerful and the thing plays cool first party games and like that's really it so i'll say on that front they've achieved both of those things like it is a console (laughs) that is more powerful than the last one and the first party games that are launching with it are really good um i'm i'm not going to talk about miles morales for like obvious reasons i I think like we probably will have a miles morales segment on the show eventually uh but yeah we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it um but i've been playing miles morales i've been playing uh demon souls i've been playing uh astrobot's playroom uh and bug snacks and like that stuff is all really great and looks incredible and runs super well where i start to like bump up against the ps5 is like a the design itself looks worse in person than i thought it did i actually was like (laughs) i was into it when they announced it i was like yeah take risks cool like weird industrial design is a plus like that's that's really fun but when you get the thing it's so fucking big it's even bigger than i had mentally prepared myself for and just looks wild in my apartment it is a wild looking thing uh and it like commands the eye because of its size Um, (laughs) like i've I've seen some people be like oh it's just a console just sitting under your tv like it is literally a size that i think makes your eye need to look at it uh which is a weird thing it is completely quiet which is great great step up from the playstation 4 pro which literally (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. It, it, it felt like i was standing on the tarmac of a 
fucking jet engine playing every time I turned it on. Um, it didn't matter what game I was playing either. I could turn on like Hollow Knight and that thing would spin up as if it was like its yeah. last words. It was like horrifying. Um, but anyway, the, the thing is like absolutely gigantic. Uh, when you turn it on, the setup process is like wild. Compared to the Series S, which was like you turn it on, it's like, hey, scan this QR code and download an app, and then you're like good, like you sign in, and then I want to add good. to that too. Like I, ma- I had to make a new account because I wasn't linking my old hacked one. Yeah, and it was also very easy. Like it was yeah. very quick. Yeah, you're just like in it pretty much. It's yeah. like it's such a streamlined process. The PS5 like really makes you be like, you're in a new PlayStation. Isn't this so exciting? Uh, and, and the setup process took me like a full hour to hour and a half. And that's not even including Oof. like all the stuff it had to download. So that was kind of bizarre. The UI, like it immediately does feel like a new console in a way that the yeah. Series S does not. Like it really does have that like shiny new like it makes really incredible noises whenever you like move around the menu. I really love the sounds that the thing <laughs> makes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, it does the untitled goose game honk. Um, yeah, it does the like really early Apple computer like. Quack! <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it feels it feels like a new console like pretty much immediately, yeah. and 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 like if it's the one that you went with, like you're gonna have a good time with it. Like it's it's really great. The problems that I'm running into with it stem mostly from like it just feels like the thing wasn't QA'd enough. Like it really feels mm. like it needs a bunch of updates and a bunch of patches to like run better than it is currently. I am not the only person who has run into this because I've Googled it and seen a lot of people reporting this. Like it, it's past the point where, uh, where it's like, okay, there's like a vocal minority of people saying this. And now it's like, Oh, there might actually be a legitimate hardware, like malfunction problem here. But multiple times I've had the the PS five just turn off while I'm playing video games. Like it'll just, it'll just turn off immediately, like with no warning whatsoever. And then it'll take like 10 to 15 minutes before it'll turn back on again. And that's the thing that a lot of people are reporting, which like is worrying because is that a software thing or is that a hardware thing? Is everybody's yeah. PS5 fucked in some way, shape, or form? Meanwhile, I've finished Yakuza and I'm just juggling between Mirror's Edge <laughs> and Soul Calibur 1. Yeah. So that's that's like concerning. I, I'm not super into that, to be totally honest. Um, I've had weird issues with the uh with like its ability to play PS4 games sometimes where like I'll go to load stuff and it just like won't work, or it'll like uh not understand that it's like playing on a playstation 5 or something um there there are like a lot of issues here and there that i've been running into uh with the ps5 that like make it feel like again to rephrase what i said before i bought a new console the day it came out that was that's not a thing that i would recommend doing (laughs) in in most instances but there is like a baseline level of functionality that i would expect which is like it can play a game without turning off you know yeah and and at the moment it's having that issue which is one of the reasons i keep thinking like i would like to go play my series s instead that said like just to talk software really quick, Astrobot's Playroom, an amazing game. It is unbelievable. Yeah. It it is it it exists. It's like a pack-in game. Like it just downloads immediately as soon as you connect to the internet for the first like time. Like a Wii Sports. Yeah. yeah. It just exists to show you how amazing the DualSense controller is. And that thing is wild it is like okay if you if you have a switch and you've experienced hd rumble at all like the actual like benefits of hd rumble um it is that like taken to five or six steps beyond what you've experienced on the nintendo switch that it is it's hard to describe via a podcast via an audio medium but the hd rumble like is the real deal uh the adaptive triggers are really really cool um for example in miles like as you're web swinging you know you're using uh the triggers to to swing uh between stuff like 
there is a there's a tension there as you're like you can feel Miles like pulling the the web shooter mm. to swing like you can feel it as he's doing it. Um, when you're playing Astrobot's Playroom, every time Astrobot takes a step, you can feel it in the controller. You can feel his little steps, and you'll feel the difference in the texture that he's walking on. Um, it's all stuff that like I thought was gonna feel really gimmicky and like not really add to the experience. It was just like okay, maybe I'll go turn this off to like save the battery life in the controller. But it I'm finding that it's really compelling and really cool and like there's that question there's the open question that will always happen with any time a console has like specific functionality just for that console like the ps4 it was the touchpad and stuff like that um is will third-party developers use it at all you know are people just going to completely like bail on this and it will only be playstation studios games that will use this that's very possible but it's just going to make the PlayStation Studios games better. So, like, yeah. I don't really see a downside to including that stuff. Sounds cooler than the touchpad, for sure. If there's any gimmick that, like, didn't pan out, yeah. it was the touchpad. Yeah, the touchpad. The, I've only really enjoyed using the touchpad in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, um, which you haven't played yet. Mm. But uh, if you do, I recommend just, like, playing around the touchpad because it's really fun. Uh, it's worth noting, Ghost of Tsushima is a game that downloads, uh, if you have it saved already, um, it'll download a PS5 update that'll allow you to play it in 60 frames per second in 4K, and it's oh my it's God. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's really cool. I hopped in for a little bit and, uh, and had a really good time. Yeah, that's kind of the other thing, I think, with the next generation in general, is, like, this question of what games get updates and which games don't is a little bit all over the place. Um, so, like, I know Destiny, for example, is going to be optimized for the Series S and X and the PlayStation 5, but, like, that's not coming until December or January. Um, so, like, there are more improvements that will come down the line, but other games like Control, for example, are coming out with, like, a full remaster or, like, next-gen edition that you're going to have to pay full price for again. That stuff is really a bummer, I think, in those instances. Yeah. Um, and, and I just really... I don't know what the answer is. And I think it's just like we're in this weird kind of gradient in between phase between generations. We're like in a year to a year and a half. We're not going to care or think about that conversation at all, you know, but right now <laughs> right. I'm living in it and I'm confused as to why Ghost of Tsushima gets a free PS5 update. But when I play it, it still says it's a PS4 game, but like it clearly recognizes I'm playing on a PS5. Things like that are just like really bizarre. So what I'll say about the PS5 just like total is um, it's good and is what Sony wants it to be. And I'm kind of unsure if that's going to be enough, I think, for like what this generation yeah. is going to evolve into. And I think the Series S and X, as you've mentioned, is laying all this groundwork for something that could be really cool and could be the obvious choice between the two eventually. I'm not going to sit here and like be a fucking console war guy. I, <laughs> I like I said, I got both on, on launch. I'm excited about both. But there's something about the PS5 that's like Sony clearly just wants me to play their exclusives and I'll do that on the PS5. But everything else, I think I'm probably going to play on the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> when you were saying you're in we're in the gradient of like in between generations, I just had this flashback of like, I just spent $400 on my PS2 and I only have Tekken tag and it ain't recognizing my DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> like I was trying to think of what the equivalent was. Anyway, yeah, I think... um. I mean, weird note, and maybe this is just me, but I noticed that the logo on the games on Xbox that are like new have an X and then a, you know, line and then an S yeah. and like that's on all the games. And it's it's just a it's just a logo. But for me, that red is like, OK, they're 
considering this all as the same. Like they're not prioritizing one over the other. Yeah. Obviously the X is going to give you the like top of the line visual quality and it has like, you know, the the higher standards, but like they're not going to the S wasn't a cash grab. They're not going to abandon it. Like you're just going to not have a disk drive and not have 4K, but both games are going to run on both, you know. Yeah, so and like, on top of that, they're also committed to uh developing software or having software get developed for the Xbox 1. So like if you have an Xbox 1 still or you can go out and find a used one or something that's still going to play like the new halo when the new halo comes out yeah but just like a pc having better internals if you have the series s it's going to run better than if you had the xbox one if you have the series x it's going to run better than both the other ones they're really just treating it like it's a fucking computer you know it's it's all of the yeah. benefits of having a gaming pc without any of the hassle <laughs> right <laughs> and if you look at the call co- i mean i think to you know, going back to like <laughs> Xbox or Sony. I'm glad neither of us like <laughs> launched into a QVC bit or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like making the Series S 299 and having Game Pass, like that is basically enough. You yes. know, like that could literally be all you ever have to spend on that system. That allows you possibility of getting both systems. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, we've we've been doing this show for three years, and I never once thought I should get an Xbox One for the show. Right. You know, but like. I will eventually get a PS5, um, and be, I, I think, I, I think that it's it's getting it's hard to gauge. We're like week one of of the consoles coming mm-hmm. out, so like there's going to be a lot of hyperbole on both ends, I think. Yeah. But I, it sounds like both systems are setting out to do what they want to, for better and for worse. Like yeah. the missions that were broadcasted from both Microsoft and Sony are evident in the consoles themselves. Yes. Um, and that will only get better on both fronts. So I don't think anyone's going to have any regrets. Because uh, I think that the games that are going to come out for Sony are going to be great. Like, there's no way. Yes. And then the, the stuff Greatness that, awaits, baby. It says it right on the greatness box. Greatness awaits. <laughs> I will say, though, I think the possibility for the Xbox are greater. But it, there's a lot more variables with that. You know, so I yeah, think I mean, there, like, are, there are no launch games from Xbox Studios. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like they, they yeah. acquired like 10 to 15 studios over the past couple of years. And none of those studios have a game that's like launching with the thing, which I think is a bummer. But also means there are like 10 to fi- at least 10 to 15 games that are in development in the pipeline to come out for this thing soon. ish. Right. And I mean, is this is the studios they acquired, you know, Bethesda being the big one and all that. Like the fact that Starfield is potentially an Xbox exclusive <laughs> or at least yeah. will be on game pass day one you can just get it if you have it you know like absurd that's great yeah yeah so yeah i i'm a fan i uh i i think really it's just you know as we keep talking about it the two gripes i have with the storage and the streaming are like both things that will can and should be rectified you know but those are things worth knowing when you're making your decision yeah man the the worst case scenario for the storage thing is like you buy an external hard drive for like 80 to 100 dollars and then put all your 360 and x and like original xbox games on it and then keep all your xbox series s and x stuff on that thing's internal storage and then you hit get quick resume on all that stuff now that i like yeah i can put sonic adventure 2 battle on my third party yes. hard drive yeah but i want a quick i want a quick resume city escape <laughs> just a, just a quick hit of city escape immediately. in around I my my problem so far with the xbox series s has been you texting me all the stuff that you're like maybe thinking about buying and then me being like i should also get that so when you jokingly said i'm gonna get sonic adventure 2 i was like i should get it <laughs> And then I, I went and found it in the store and I was hovering over the buy button and then decided not to because I realized you might be joking. But now it sounds like you're, you weren't joking. You did get it. 
I didn't get it yet. It's on my wish list. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was okay, like, okay. Yeah. I've got a because just so I didn't spend like a hundred dollars immediately, I made a long on three sixty games. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I mean, but also like on Xbox original games, and there's a lot of stuff like there's a lot of like old Sega and Neo Geo stuff that was on the first two Xboxes. So there's like a lot of cool old stuff you can get. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got um the the only original Xbox games I have at the moment downloaded on the on the system are uh, Nice the Old Republic Two and Morrowind. Yeah, both of which I'm like really stoked to check out. And then 360 wise, I downloaded a ton of stuff. I mean, I have so much. You you got Final Fantasy 13, which like made me really curious about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I expect an episode on I, that soon. I, yeah, I, I imagine we'll talk about it. I that's yeah. a game that I know has been like kind of hotly contested for a really long time. Um, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. really curious as to why now that I know more about Final Fantasy and what I like in a Final Fantasy game, uh, that was kind of a, a weird impulse buy for me. But yeah, pretty much everything else has come from Game Pass, which is really thrilling. Like the Fable series is on there. Fable series is still yeah. really good. Really good. Two specifically is like that is a game that holds the fuck up uh, and, and still rocks. I that was my first 360 game. That was like really? the first, like, yeah, when I got it. In, I got the 360 a little bit after, because it came out in, like, 2006. Um, yeah. I got it in 2008, I believe. Mm. Lasted a while. Rest in peace, 360. <laughs> well, you want to take a little break, and then we'll talk about some stuff we've been playing, I guess, maybe? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll, I'll load up, as we're talking about that, like, should I just share all the games I have? We can do that uh, after we rest. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Go back in our coffins and hang upside down for a bit. Okay. That's right. We're vampires. <laughs> 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 Season three plot twist, jumping the shark. Oh, uh, yeah, I listened to ITA until that fucking vampire reveal. What the hell? <laughs> they wouldn't stop talking about garlic. <laughs> I would love it if we just, like, hinted that throughout the whole show. <laughs> We're like, I can't stand garlic. <laughs> and then it's like, I walked past a church, and, uh, you know, it was uh, it was fine. Do you ever watch what we do in the shadows? The show or the movie? Both. I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the show yet. Uh, the show is a lot of fun. The movie's great, too. Highly recommend. It's very much that. Yeah. It's like that bit as a show. Yeah. I love the <laughs> movie. Yeah. The show, the show is the next thing on my list of things to watch, uh, which I'm excited about. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's a good time. Um, it, it takes a little bit to get going, but it's it's like pretty short, so I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Well, back into the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I want to play Sonic Adventure. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got. If we're making ourselves laugh, we gotta take a break. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Steven, we're back from our coffins. We're back. We're back. I was wondering which of us is going to hang on to that. <laughs> the way we hang on to the ceiling while we sleep. Yeah. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the stuff that we've been playing uh, on the Series S. Um, I already mentioned on the PS5. I'm probably not going to talk about the PS5 games a whole lot, honestly. Um, at least not this week. Um, yeah. Because the Xbox Series S is the star. It's the S stands for baby. It stands for star this episode. Uh, yeah. But I love that. we, uh, I, I, I've been playing uh, Demon Souls, which is great. I've been playing Miles Morales, which is great. I've been playing Bugs Snacks, which is great. And Ashes Play Playroom, which I. Uh, I'm excited to hear about all those, but I need to know more about Bug Snacks. So uh, I, I'm very excited for whenever. I'm, I'm saving happens. that for a future one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, now we want to talk a little bit about what we've been playing on the Series S. Um, just like top level, we've both been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. We're going to do a whole segment on that later. So just uh, that that's going to be the one glaring omission from this segment. Yeah. 
Um, what what yeah. are your what are your like what are your go tos at the moment? Like what what's the stuff that you've been playing when you're not playing Yakuza? I'm so curious. Like what what has been the stuff on Game Pass or not Game Pass that you're like really drawn to at the moment? Because I've had some very surprising ones since I got the Series S. Yeah, well, I, guess, I don't have too many, so I might just say what I've downloaded because I think that there are some that like I'm holding off on, but mm-hmm. I know will be a big deal. Yeah, and then I'll say which ones I've been playing a lot of. So. Um, from Game Pass, I have downloaded Banjo Kazooie, uh, Destiny 2, and all of its expansions, mm-hmm. Dragon Age Origins, a future download, a queued download of you guessed it, Dragon Quest XI S Definitive Edition. Hell yeah! Echoes of an Elusive Age for <gasps> Record Scratch, the Xbox Series S. Yes, and S does not stand for Switch. Um, Elder Scrolls Oblivion 4, which I bought. I just bought that with my hard-earned money, mm-hmm. twenty dollars. The best, the best Andrew Jackson I burned in front of my face. <laughs> Which is great. So I also did that, and I did that with Morrowind. Both of those are absolutely going to be added to Game Pass as soon as they oh, like yeah. fold right. Bethesda <laughs> fully into uh, yeah. Microsoft. But yeah, I just was like, I need to own this like outright. Indirectly, Bethesda. I also have Fallout New Vegas on here, nice. uh, which is great. Final Fantasy Thirteen, another game I bought because my never-ending mission to play every Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Not played Thirteen. It just feel- Final Fantasy Thirteen has. Ne- there's never been a more into the Aether Final Fantasy for us to want to cover. It's like, <laughs> yeah, for real. It's a game that like everyone hates that no one really talks about anymore from like 11 years ago. And I'm sure we'll both inexplicably enjoy. Yeah. We're so like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, so, I see it in the tea leaves. Like, where are we going to yeah. fucking love that game? <laughs> so, like, for hell yeah, Lightning, let's do this. Uh, so, 13, I've, I actually played a little bit of it, but I want to play more um, before we like, I want to do a proper episode on that. So, I will say every time I turn on my Xbox, I'm like, is now the time? Is now the time to play Final <laughs> Fantasy 13? And then I refrain I'll say from this, doing it. I'll say, real quick on Lightning and Friends, game is fucking beautiful. Mm. Like for for a 360 game, like the opening cutscene of that was that the opening cutscene of Final Fantasy 13 looked more this gen than anything else I've played on the system. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. take that what you will. Indivisible is a game I downloaded off Game Pass that was like totally what Game Pass wants you to do or something that just looks cool and you download it. Yeah. Really beautifully animated like side scroller that I'm excited to check I out. I did play Indivisible for the show and then never brought it up a while back. Oh, no way. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe we'll get back to that one day. Um, Mirror's Edge, which I alluded to earlier, uh, mm-hmm. played the very beginning of. So cool. Uh, first person parkour game, way ahead of its time. Uh, the bad guys are just straight up cops and they, they just <laughs> lay it out there, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so that's really good. Sea of Thieves, which I know we want to play together. Also Game Pass. And Subnautica I downloaded. Uh, it's a game that like we haven't really talked about at all that I've seen some people like ask us to talk about yeah. in the Discord and on Twitter. So I have that. Um, so those are all the Game Pass, and then I also bought Soul Calibur too. So like of all and Yakuza. <laughs> so I have like over ten games, and I paid for like two of them. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, rules. Um, the games I've been playing a lot of have been Destiny, which we'll talk about, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ori and Yakuza have been like my switch between games. Mm. I I played Ori one or Ori uh, and the Blind Forest. Those on Switch, and actually both of them are on Switch now. This is like I think Ori represents the like kinship that's forming between Nintendo and Microsoft. Yes, very much. So they're both on Switch if you want them there. But I figured because I had already pre-ordered my Xbox Series S that I would just get Ori two when it was on Game Pass. It's really fun. I think it's it's definitely a big step up from the uh, from the first one. I'll probably talk about it like properly on an episode once I'm further in. But my elevator pitch is like it is uh, if Disney gave Hollow Knight like a full budget, like a giant 
like you know triple a budget yeah. and they made hollow Knight like as disney as possible and i mean that as like both a compliment and also like what it's doing but like you get a sword and this one uh there's a friendly <laughs> map maker you have an ability where you hold a button to heal and like it's very hollow Knight. almost maybe a little too hollow Knight at some points but like interesting if you're gonna ape any game you might as well do that because i feel like every game is trying to be the new souls like but like this is the first game where i'm like they're like no they just want to do hollow Knight. yeah uh and of course it has like a lot it has more uh the main difference i would say is it's a lot more interested in the platforming elements than hollow Knight was like hollow Knight kind of had them by default whereas this game is like very interested in the momentum and the feeling of running around as ori is like really fun they nailed that in this game because the other really big notable difference that i think makes this a very clear step up is that in the first game you had to use a move to save which like was creative and and had some fun instances of like okay where do i want my spawn point to be when i die but the game is so kinetic and so celeste adjacent and that you're going to be dying a lot in scenarios that like it often led to frustration rather than like eureka i put it at the right spot it was something yeah. you had to do that you would forget to do not that you looked forward to doing whereas in ori in the will of the wisps it's just autosave so like when you die you're going to start right before whatever that part was and it just makes it way more fun like you also have a couple more options like you can wall jump from the very beginning oh so as you thank god that's like my yeah. biggest gripe in all of those kinds of games yeah. is for some reason, like as soon as I get wall jump, it's like, oh, this game is fun again. Like I, yeah. I'm enjoying playing this game now and having that at the beginning is is wonderful. I just, That's what I, I, mean. I wish so, all Metroidvanias would have wall jump at the beginning. Totally. I think Ori is probably the Metroidvania that such is most- Such a weird most... gripe to have. It's such a stupid fucking- like, No, no, but it's true because I think like <laughs> Metroidvania games tend to completely forget about how it feels to navigate the area, which you spend a lot of the game doing it's a big blind spot and ori i think is like the one that makes running around really fun yeah so like you know i think it's because i think an open world game you always want to think about how does the like traversal mechanic feel and is the game built around that I, and i think most of them are like okay you'll have fun doing that three to five hours in which is like such a bummer the thing that i think hollow knight gets right just uh I, I think like Hollow Knight has that stuff, you know, where like yeah. you will eventually get those abilities down the line. What really works about it is that you're so on edge because it's such like a soulsy kind of vibe in those moments of traversal when you don't have those abilities that like it's still really, really engaging to move around the space. Um, and then when you get the stuff, like when you get the ability to double jump and like do all the other stuff that I don't want to spoil if you haven't played Hollow Knight, it, it just becomes even better than it was before. Uh, yes. Which I love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ori is following in that footsteps. I would I would highly recommend it if you have game pass or a switch i think it's also like probably i was actually talking about this in uh during the twitch stream with chat but it feels like the most accessible version of a hollow knight like game mm. you know like it feels like if you wanted to get into metroidvanias or even souls likes i would point you to ori first and yeah. be like if you dig like the concept of this then you're gonna really like the other stuff because mm. hollow knight as we've often discussed is not very welcoming right um and that's like the biggest kind of hurdle to get over but yeah playing a ton of ori so ori's been like my fun whimsical action rpg Yakuza has been my like story dump hours at a time <laughs> game and destiny has been like my chill like yeah. let's hang out with friends game which is like kind of the perfect trifecta for right now totally and i'm so excited to get more into more into ff13 <laughs> and oblivion <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's that's my roster right now. And Banjo Tooie is on here as well, which is the sequel. Yeah. Obviously. And that's like a very hard game to find and is very beloved. So I've been wanting to maybe download that as well. But I was being conscious of my storage space. But just do it. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. Whatever. 
Speaking of the Game Pass stuff, uh, it's worth mentioning that on launch day for the Series S and X, they also added EA Play to uh, yeah. to Game Pass, which is like where Mirror's Edge came from, for example. But, and Dragon Age, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Age is in there. But also, uh, like, Jedi Fallen Order is in there now, which is awesome. That got added day of as well. Um, so if you haven't played that, like, go play it, because it's hard to beat that price to play that game, which I know, again, a lot of people had issues with that game. I liked it a lot for what it was and not for what it was trying to be. But also, if you don't have to spend the $60 entry point to play that game, you're going to probably have a better time with it. So uh, that's on there. So anyway, on my end, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, obviously, is a big thing. Destiny 2, as we already mentioned, um, I downloaded uh, Mirror's Edge because you were playing it or you're planning on playing it. Soul Calibur 2, which you and I played last night and was <laughs> so fun. That was um, so much fun. The original, Spawn is in this one. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the Xbox <laughs> version, so Spawn is in it. And he goes like, you're pissing me off. It's so good. It's wild. But uh, yeah. most importantly, I think it still has working online functionality. So like we were able to play it with each other, even though it's a 360 game, which is amazing. Do um, I become the top ranked Soul Calibur 2 <laughs> HD on the series in 2020. player <laughs> in 2020? You bet I will. I downloaded the original Crackdown. That game mm. runs so well on the yeah. Series S. Definitely download it. Um, I got Fable 2 because I love the Fable games. I also downloaded Crackdown 3 because I've never played it and uh, it just seems like a great game for Game Pass. Final Fantasy 13, as I mentioned, uh, Nice The Old Republic 2. Uh, I got Burnout Paradise Remastered because that's on Game Pass now because of EA Play, which is sick. The ones that I'm really excited to check out though, honestly, are uh, the Tetris Effect, which yeah, yeah. is a game that you and I both missed that was like on a lot of people's goatee lists. Um, so I'm excited to check that out now that that's on Xbox and on Game Pass, which is cool. And the Talos Principle, which is a puzzle game I've been meaning to play for like years at this point, that is leaving Game Pass soon. This is the first instance where like there's a thing that's on its way out of Game Pass. And I'm like, OK, this is actually a great incentive to finally check this thing out, which is a whole other side of Game Pass where I thought of it as a negative initially, but maybe is actually a positive because it's forcing me to do a thing um, that I probably would never have made the time to do prior to that so that's cool what's also cool about game pass is one quick thing on that note is that when you look at something in the store like if you're just searching the store it will prompt you to install the game if it's on game pass so like even yes. if you're actively like i want to spend money they'll be like but you can actually just download it if you want yeah so and then when you great... have it downloaded you can outright buy it as well and i right, think generally exactly. it's at a discount if you have game pass yeah which is amazing it's so cool, it's yeah. like you know less than 30 dollars usually yeah um i also got final fantasy 8 remastered because that I was going to get Hell that on yeah. Switch, uh, but it, it turns out it's on Game Pass also, so that's cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Final Fantasy on Game Pass. I think 9 is there as well. Yeah, and 7. Oh my god. Which is sick. I just downloaded... Um, Bioshock 2 again because I don't know we talked oh, about yeah. it last week and I was like okay cool let me play it because I was playing it on the Switch and I kind of want to see I have the remastered collection on Xbox already downloading that but the big game that I've been playing wildly enough I think like the the weird uh, hidden gem of Game Pass for me at the moment has been Planet Coaster Console Edition <laughs> hell yeah uh, Planet Coaster is what I would describe as what if uh, Atari didn't completely destroy the Roller Coaster Tycoon franchise <laughs> when they bought that that IP. Um, Planet Coaster is amazing. I used to play it on, I had like a gaming PC way back when, like when it came out. Um, and like, even then the gaming PC was kind of on its last leg, so I didn't really get to play it too much. Uh, it works so well on Xbox with a controller. I'm having the best time with Planet Coaster. It is so chill. Uh, some of you who uh, watch us on Twitch maybe 
uh, tuned in for my Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 stream on Switch, yeah. which was very silly and went completely awry because that game is like so busted. And it's not... <laughs> It's not like the fault of the port or it being on Switch. It's like the base game, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, is like kind of a mess. Uh, Planet Coaster is like exactly what you want if you're looking for a theme park builder like that. It is so cool. It's worth noting also, if you like that kind of stuff, City Skylines is also on uh, Xbox and on Game Pass. Um, so you can go check that out too if you're more of like a SimCity person versus a Roller Coaster Tycoon person. But that's the game that I've been playing the most of outside of Yakuza and Destiny, funnily enough. That's um, awesome. It is so great i mean it's such a wonderful thing to like hop into in the mornings uh i've been playing it oh, before yeah. my morning streams i'm still streaming Link's awakening every morning which i'm gonna be done with i think the week that this episode comes out oh wow uh, so i'll have moved nice. on to whatever the next thing is but um before my stream uh I- i've been playing planet coaster which has been great yeah so that's that's the stuff on the agenda at the moment um i also just downloaded uh dragon ball z kakarot because that's on sale <laughs> uh but that's oh, that's yeah. a game i paid uh, human dollars for uh, I also have Dark Souls 1 and 2 on my Xbox as well which are not Game Pass yeah. games oh and Minecraft because obviously you yep. have to have Minecraft downloaded I was going to download Minecraft but I'm also like do I want to sacrifice all my storage for Steve I don't know yet <laughs> uh, it is worth noting um, the medium which is like a big Xbox Studios game is available on Game Pass to like preload um, so it's on Game Pass and you can technically download it but it's not the actual game it's just like preloading some stuff but that game comes out I think this year um, so that'll be like I think our first kind of glimpse into what Xbox Studios is like aiming for mm. when they make a Game Pass game so I have that download technically um but you know well that's really exciting yeah that's really exciting because i i keep forgetting that like when we talked about the series s in the last segment i'm like there's a whole big like ocean of uncertainty with like all the first party xbox stuff because like yeah you and i like you're you're a big you're a big halo fan but like i think and i i've enjoyed halo too but i think there there hasn't been like an xbox exclusive in the past two generations that i've like bought the system for mm-hmm. even when i had the 360 i'm like i'm not getting this for gears of war i'm getting it for oblivion yeah you know? <laughs> um yeah so the the master chief collection is on game pass uh and that right. and that comes with halos one through four and also halo reach now which is rad and then you can also download halo five separately if you haven't played that um so like you can get all that stuff and then eventually halo infinite is going to be on game pass when that comes out um halo wars one and two are also there i didn't download any of the halo stuff because that's that's actually like why i kept my xbox one i i don't I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast at some point or another but i love halo 5 multiplayer like that was my like online shooter of choice when i stopped playing destiny 2 that was like the game that i played and i'm holding off on that because i'm now getting back into destiny 2 which we'll talk about in a bit but yeah i mean just like looking oh i also have sea of thieves downloaded i forgot about that um you should play that that'd be fun but just like looking through game pass i mean like there's some stuff on here that is so like actually some of our favorite games so like remnant from the ashes is on game pass if you haven't played that you can go download it. it i think it comes with the expansions rad go play that hollow knight that we just mentioned the like complete edition of hollow knight is on game pass i can celeste as well yeah which, uh, i can which can we fell. just talked about like two weeks ago is is on there celeste is on there i mean it's like final fantasy 15 is on there um <laughs> the hits they're all there yeah it, it's like oxen free I'm just looking, I'm scrolling through the list right now. Game Pass rips, man. I, Night in the Woods, yeah. I honestly get the same feeling. Like, I feel like one of the things I loved about the 360 Kingdom Hearts, was there. All of the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> franchise. The whole thing is on there. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, 
it's an even more fully evolved version of one of the things I liked most about the 360 was their investment in the like indie studio. Yes. And like the Xbox arcade stuff. That's where I first found uh, Limbo and, and Bastion, but discovered the world of indie games mm-hmm. through Xbox. So like, yeah, I, I really, I mean, and this is only going to grow. It's like amazing that like we can just say like most of our favorite games that we've been heralding for the past three years on this show yeah. are all on Game Pass. Yeah. I also think something I've been thinking about that's like totally not on our horizon, but I wonder if it will have a positive effect is the idea that like all the big sports games are also on Game Pass. And I know that there's been this like very big sentiment of like sports games kind of going a little bit downhill in recent years, at least being focused more on like real like I know the microtransactions are like a big like point of tension for a lot of games, but like yeah. if you can criticize them anywhere, it's on sports games. Like they're really designed to just have people spend as much money as possible. Yeah, what was um oh shit. I think it might have been IGN. Was it the IGN review of the new FIFA where they just copied and pasted their review of last year's FIFA? <laughs> and they were like, right. we're actually not gonna update our review at all because you didn't update this game at all. Yeah. Which is wild. It might might not have been IGN, but anyway. I wonder if having all of those games on Game Pass, like without having to spend sixty dollars again on the next year's version of it, will maybe help those games become like what they used to be. Yeah. I just wonder if that's a possibility, but who knows? Or allow them to grow, like to completely leave behind this idea that you should pay sixty dollars at the door and like maybe they'll just become free to play games or something. You know, like yeah, honestly, yeah. like if the NBA two K series became free to play, like that would be a bummer probably for a lot of people. People, but it seems like that's the natural progression of this thing so like maybe game pass will allow them to just skip to that um yeah which like again not the thing that i want but is the thing that might happen and game pass might allow that to happen yeah i'm with you i mean i would i would be more amenable to checking that stuff out i think given that like the forza games for example i really like the forza games those are all in game pass um i haven't yeah. downloaded them on my series s but i might at some point because it's fun to hop in and out of races and just like check that world out it's really cool but that's why yeah, th- i downloaded burnout paradise because that game rips. <laughs> there are so many genres that i maybe wouldn't have invested like 60 dollars on that i might discover i really love yeah like through game pass yeah the sims is on here another ea this play. is just a love letter to game pass is what this episode is starting it's, into yeah but it's like with good reason no I, i'm not saying this yeah, as, a, as a negative yeah. i mean i'm stoked about it I love this check that Microsoft is sending us. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Rubbing yeah, it all over my Fire head. Fire Three Houses on Game Pass. No, that won't happen, unfortunately. That would be like if, if Nintendo stuff ever got on Game Pass, which will never happen. But that would be like sort of the full a human instrumentality project manifesting. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, it is worth mentioning also on the PS5 end, there is a thing called PlayStation Plus Classics or PlayStation... Plus, I forget what it is. I think it's PlayStation Plus Classics. But anyway, um, oh, no, the the PS Plus Collection, I'm sorry, is what it's called. It has a very refined name. But if you uh, download if you have a PS5 and you have PlayStation Plus, you can go in and download all of the PS4 exclusives for free, which is really cool. So that's like God of War and The Last of Us and Persona 5. Not Royal, but Persona 5. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still great to get for free. Yeah, no, totally, of course. Days Gone, which is a game I had no interest in playing at all, which like maybe I'll check out now because it's on there. Um, for some reason, Final Fantasy 15 is included in that. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 is like our friend that keeps showing up to parties that we may or may not have invited. <laughs> like, hey, they're fine. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all that, all that <laughs> stuff is on there, which is really cool. So if you if you get a PS5, I mean, definitely take advantage of that because that's a great collection of stuff. Yeah. 
pool. Um, I have one quick note that I discovered recently about sure. uh, speaking of Final Fantasy 15. Uh, apparently, um, there's essentially like a sub series within Final Fantasy that Final Fantasy 13 and its sequels and 15 are all part of the Fabula Nova Crystallisis Collection. And I, I'm sure I mispronounced <laughs> that. I'm sorry, but it's Final Fantasy 13. Final Fantasy Type-0, Final Fantasy 13 2 Lightning Returns, which is Final Fantasy 13 3 Final Fantasy Agito, I'm not sure what that is, 15, and Final Fantasy Awakening. Oh my god. Um, so those are all like in their kind of own little canon sphere grid Ugh. within the Final Fantasy world. Yeah. That's horrifying. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I just want to be like, oh, I like Final Fantasy, but I only played the Fabula Crystallis collection <laughs> or whatever it is. I'm so excited um, for 16. We can't talk about it right now, but I'm so excited for Final Fantasy 16. To oh, have yeah, it. me it too. It looks so good. Me too. Yeah. I think because I think, 15 was originally 13 verses, which is why it's all part of that. But anyway, yeah. yeah, 16 looks like a very, in a lot of ways, a needed change up, in a lot of ways, like very classic. You know what um, excites me? It looks like 12. It does. It, I was I was almost certain it took place in Ivalice, yeah. which is like that's it, the, almost the thematic opposite of the Fabula Crystallis collection. Mm-hmm. Is Ivalice is where twelve and tactics, and I think like fourteen doesn't, but it's like very clear it kind of does yeah. in vibe. Same vibe, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like the the map is more important than the cast. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. do you want to take a quick break and then talk about Destiny Two a little bit? Yeah, I think me saying Fabula Crystallis Collection, which I know is not the name, but yeah. saying that you, three times. Yeah, you like, stuck a paperclip into the little reset button on the back of my head. <laughs> I marbled you like a Janet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like your Winter Soldier activation word, but it's just to get really sleepy. <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. And then I guess uh, Yakuza, right? Or Destiny, Destiny 2. Destiny 2. It's going to be a long episode. Buckle up, baby. Yeah. Steven, I'm so excited. This is wild. This has been such a long time coming. Uh, yeah. I was joking with you while we were playing. Uh, we're talking about Destiny 2 now. And for maybe the first two seasons of the show, you constantly would bring up whatever the new Destiny thing was. I'd be like, okay, that's nice, honey. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I played the core, uh, I guess it's worth remembering, I played the core game like right when Destiny 2 came out. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of dropped it. Um, I, I enjoyed my time with it greatly, but I just felt like it became so insurmountable to catch up. It was like... I didn't know like what to buy or what to download. And like whenever I even opened the game, it was confusing. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of like didn't have enough desire to go back to it. But now having it all on Game Pass is like incredible. All the expansions, everything. Yeah. Just jump right in. And we've been playing it together. Yeah, it's wild. So it's worth noting, um, like right off the bat, they have recently kind of revamped the entirety of Destiny 2 um, for a bunch of reasons, which I think are, are great across the board uh, one of them being the file size was just gigantic it was just taking up like too much space on people's hard drives so they, they were cutting back from that angle and what they decided to cut back on was essentially the entirety of the campaign so the thing that you played when the game first came out is completely gone now there's no red war um, most of the planets you visit are gone now so the question became at least for me is like what are they replacing it with like what is it becoming because you know they cut all that stuff for file size reasons but also i think because like 
it was kind of daunting as a new player to dive into the game, especially if like your friend is saying, hey, Destiny 2 is really cool. You should come play this with me. It's going to take you like 10 to 15 hours to get to the point where you can do that, uh, which is like not ideal for a game that's supposed to be like a live service game that's always updating to have people like have to go through this entire thing first before they can do that. The other side of it is like there's all this content that was kind of still being like kept alive, like on life support by Bungie. Just they were like continuing to update all this stuff from that original launch of Destiny, um, making sure that it was all still relevant. So anything you went around and played, like regardless of what the activity was, was still like leveling you up or giving you some kind of gear or benefit or reward or whatever. But that doesn't mean that people were playing that stuff. So what it meant was like they were continuing to pump resources into like serving, you know, edge case players essentially who were like really into one of the raids that nobody plays anymore or something you know stuff like that so what they've done is they've cut back on all of that um and i was really 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 curious what the new player experience was so uh first step for me was i transferred my characters over from playstation to xbox which is really easy um i was amazed at how easy it was i just like pressed two buttons and then it did it uh, which is cool. And then I deleted one of my three characters so you and I could start new characters together um, and see what the new player experience is. Shucks. Not expecting it to just be Destiny 1. Um, the, <laughs> the most shocking thing of all is that when you start a new character in Destiny 2 now, you start in the Cosmodrome, which is where Destiny 1 starts, with the exact like line delivery and everything. It's like almost beat for beat exactly the same as Destiny 1, until it's suddenly not anymore. Uh, because in Destiny 1, you were talking to, you know, Cade, uh, who was the Nathan Fillion character who has now since died in Destiny lore. And, and you meet a bunch of new characters along the way that weren't in the original Destiny 1. And it essentially just kind of reinforces this idea that like you as a new guardian are going around this world helping out other guardians because working together means that you can achieve more stuff, which is very much not the vibe of Destiny 1. Destiny 1 is very much you are the chosen guardian and you're going to go out and you're going to do this stuff. So what they've done is kind of created this narrative reasoning for like you wanting to go play with randos and like have a good time and just like kind of experience the more social side of destiny they've found a way to like endemically involve that in the thing that you're doing as you're playing which is so brilliant it's such a smart move yeah but i think the best thing is that it takes like an hour it's like an hour yeah, max it's before. real short yeah and then yeah. and then you end up at the tower and then from that point on you're just like playing destiny with everyone else which is great and then you can bounce between as we just mentioned you can download all the expansions on game pass you can just bounce between any of those expansions you can do any of those stories in any order which is really cool so if you're like i just really want to do shadow keep which was like i think last year's you can just hop into shadow keep and play that if you want to go do forsaken you can hop into forsaken and do that but if you want to just jump right into beyond light which is the one that came out this week then you could just go do that also so if your friend is like hey come play destiny it's free it's on game pass we should play together and they've been playing for years and they really want to play beyond light with you all you have to do is download the game play that opening hour and then you're fucking in it you can just hop into beyond light and you're already at the level you need to be to start beyond light it's just like a streamlining of this game beyond anything i've seen bungie do over the five or six years that i've been playing destiny and i am so so happy about it 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 has completely revitalized my interest in this game in a way that I didn't think was going to be possible, honestly. Yeah. Because Destiny 2 had become this game that I didn't want to play anymore because it felt like... It didn't feel like any activity could progress. It felt like I had to do specific things and I had to be keeping up and playing every week on specific days or else I would fall behind. And once I fell behind, it was very hard to catch up. And now there's this kind of like laissez-faire, like just kind of meander around the tower and do whatever you <laughs> Welcome want. Welcome to Cabaret! That yeah, is 
exactly. what it feels. It's yeah. it's incredible. It's a, it's a nice feeling. It, it it there's a like a warmth to Destiny Two that I'm feeling now. It really does feel like the best time ever to get back into this game or to start the game from scratch if you never have. I'm just wondering how you feel about it because because you played Destiny Two right when it came out, as you said, you did that campaign and then you bounced off because I didn't think you had like a solid like group of people to play with initially. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling about it now? I guess with this new intro. I love it. I mean, I really, I, I think it has everything I liked about the experience. Um, and I enjoyed the campaign for what it was worth, but it was sort of like very generic and, and you know, a little bit of a chore to get through. I do think that this new intro is like tailor made for someone exactly in my shoes who like <laughs> yeah. played the campaign and then bounced. So like, I think if you don't have any context for who the characters are, it might be a little bit disorienting. Yeah. But that being said, like in terms of just the experience, like getting to the last city so quickly is like so nice because that was the moment like I love that setting so much. And I think the two I I would consider this an MMO if we're just going to classify it. And like the two MMOs that have worked for me have been Destiny 2 and Final Fantasy 14. I think because both of them prioritize setting so strongly. Mm Like, I mean, the, it's not a hot take, but the look of everything in this game is, like, stunning. Yeah. And it kind of just, like, it does have that warmth that you said. Like, and the fact that, going back to the Series S Quick Resume stuff, the fact that we can just do a strike and then hop into a different game is, like, perfect for this type of game. Yeah. Because then Destiny is the kind of experience that I play when I just need to, like, totally unwind or relax or, like, yeah. have a more social experience. It's something that you and I can play. And, like, it's engaging enough that, like, we don't want to, like, there's always that moment where, like, okay, we have to pay a little bit more attention. Like, yeah, or you, the fanatic, you and I are going yeah, off just, on some fucking weird tangent about, who, who, yeah. about, like, pets that we owned when we were kids. <laughs> It's like, oh shit, now we're at the raid boss. We have to think about this. <laughs> the exact moment was like me defending Pablo Honey and us like all getting killed. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's been really nice and i i made a new character i have a i had a titan an exo titan on ps4 who like i got to a, a reasonably high level but i also kind of wanted just to start over so i didn't even carry it over i don't mind having like that character on ps4 if i ever play there you know mm-hmm. but i wanted to start from scratch so, so i made an exo warlock who i'm like obsessed with the warlock fashion in this game is so it's either new metal or like uh evil rich kid and like i'm just so into <laughs> role-playing either one of those scholarly if you will uh it's the perfect balance of the sci-fi magic and tech that i love and being an exo being a robot that can use magic is like i think peak destiny energy yeah totally absolutely yeah it's um yeah i so at the moment i have a titan that i've been playing as um i will probably go back to my other titan i think eventually um just because they're all at the same level just about um because as soon as beyond light came out they just leveled up everybody's characters to the beyond light level um which is great really cool but yeah i don't know uh the, the new player experience has been really great. I mean, a, a, as soon as you're done with that, like, opening hour of the story, um, they do kind of, like, point you in some directions. They have you go talk to all the NPCs in the tower who give quests and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they'll just kind of give you, like, starting points. It's like, hey, this is what a strike is. Go do some strikes. Or you go talk to Shax and they'll be like, ha ha, welcome, Guardian. And then they'll, like, I love send Shax. you into the PvP yeah. and be like, just survive for five minutes. And, like, that's all you have to do to finish that quest, which is really cool. I mean, it, like I said before, this is the best time to play Destiny. I mean, there's no question about it. it it's it's an unbelievable amount of content that you get if you have it on game pass and even if you're just downloading new light which is like the free version of destiny on ps4 or on pc or whatever 
also an unbelievable amount of content. You're going to have a good time. So like regardless of where you're at in your in your destiny tenure, now's a really cool, cool time to hop in. And I think I'm going to play a lot more of it. I really feel the like itch to go back to it again. Yeah. And uh, once there's cross platform play for anyone listening uh, or in our discord who also plays, I'd love to put like a clan together or something that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think cross platform is or like cross play is on the horizon. I think it's a thing that they're working on actively. And honestly, yeah, early next year. Yeah. This is the thing that I was thinking about a lot because you and I talked about this like really early on, like maybe at the beginning of this podcast, but really early on, we were talking about Fortnite and and how Sony specifically wasn't letting people play Fortnite between platforms. And it's just nice to know that like wherever I play multiplayer stuff or sorry, whatever multiplayer games I end up playing on Xbox will probably have cross-platform capabilities and like who knows if sony's going to allow that you know yeah which is like a bummer if you're a playstation person to know that you're locked into playstation but really wonderful for like you and me who are are now playing destiny like pretty much primarily on xbox knowing that eventually we'll probably be able to play with like pc and maybe stadia people or something you know (laughs) like the rogues gallery yeah yeah, i just think that that's really cool i I, i'm really glad that they're open to that and you know games that uh also are on switch like rocket league we could play with like pretty much anyone at this point things like that just knowing knowing that that's a thing that like microsoft is committing to is really nice as well yeah Um, which makes i don't know which makes xbox a really great place to play destiny which is so funny considering how much exclusivity there was with destiny on the playstation originally when it launched and 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 destiny 2 there were like certain strikes and like exotics and things like that that were only available if you were playing on playstation and now it's like completely flipped around where like there is really no better platform to play on than xbox it seems like is cool but yeah i this game looks amazing as you mentioned already i mean uh, i i say it all the time but it just looks like concept art like made real like there's no game that does a better <laughs> job of just taking concept art and turning it into a video game than this i would say ori is up there as well but like it depended on the sci-fi or fantasy vibes <laughs> but the other thing is that the the series s and x enhancements haven't even come out yet they're coming out like next month yeah. or something so eventually but this game is still... gonna look and load even better and faster than before which is wild because it's already like way better than playing on my PS4. That's what I was going to say. It still feels like like I told you, you know, when you're loading into a new area, you see your spaceship kind of floating in space. Yeah. And like there were moments on PS4 where I would like go into the kitchen, and like make a dinner while that was happening. Yeah, it would take like a full you know, five to ten minutes. here yeah. is like less than 30 seconds. Yeah. I still get to see my cool coastal suede ship. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's not overbearing. Yeah. Yeah. Destiny two is good, man. I'm, I'm excited to be back into it. And it's, I think the thing that I'm probably going to hop into the most, uh, on game, yeah. Pass, which is cool. I'd love to stream it again too. We, we streamed before I got my headset. So like, it was kind of like testing the waters a little bit, but now that I have a proper mic, I'd love to give that another shot. Yeah. That'd be fun. We could go do some strikes or something. I don't know. Maybe play through beyond yeah. light, honestly. Cause I, I have no idea what's going on in that. I'm so yeah, disconnected same. from destiny lore at this point. Like I kind of feel like a new player in a lot of instances because so much has happened since I last played. Um, but I watched the opening cutscene for beyond light. I was like, I don't know who any of these people are or why. It's happening. I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, me too. Um, Another cool addition they did to kind of streamline the process is you have, there are some like progression checks. Like you have to get like a certain amount of experience to go to certain planets and all that. But it's really just like if if you're playing the game, you'll unlock all that stuff. Um, And another one is, uh, you know, I think every class starts as void. So there are three like elements that are sort of tied to the subclass within a class. So there's the classes for those unfamiliar are Titan, big guys, shields, okay, Uh, warlock, just peak fashion, space magic, and then ranger or hunter, uh, which are like kind of rogues with 
capes and do backflips and stuff. Uh, and then each of those has a form tied to either void, which is like dimensional kind of uh, Psylocke stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got solar, which is fire, obviously. Get over it. And then there's arc, which is lightning, I believe. Yeah. Um, they added a new element, too, which is like four top-level players, which I think is ice. I think it's that's ice also. Cool. I'm not really sure of the deal, um, but that's yeah. that's apparently what you get when you, I think you finish the Beyond Light campaign is you get that new element, which is cool. But you, you start Titan with uh, arc, by the way. Oh, yeah, and I, I think you start Hunter with Solar, so I think each of them starts with a different one. But also, oh, that's cool. Immedi- now that new light has happened, it doesn't even matter because immediately you can switch to any of the other ones and you have it all unlocked already. Be- that's because they got say. rid of the campaign, which well, yeah. you do have to progress a little bit. Like you have to get a certain amount of experience to like get access to all of them. But it's very early on; yeah. like it's in the first hour or two. Yeah. So like you can switch to every subclass, and then the subclasses within that just on a whim, which is great when you have bounties that are like do X damage in solar or void mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. so like they kind of just encourage you to see more of the game and you're rewarded for it which is great yeah it's the first time in a long time that destiny hasn't felt overwhelming to me which i really appreciate because as they continued to like rework the way armor works or weapons or like upgrading weapons and armor and uh i don't know like how you unlock levels and they added like three more stats on top of the three stats that already existed and power versus level and things like that like there was just like a lot going on and it was starting to get honestly a little bit too much i think what was sorely missing in all of that which is no longer missing is like just kind of a helpful guide and if you start the new player experience they guide you through what all that stuff means and like how it works and how to use it and how to like best understand it and like make it work for you essentially which like when they rolled out the new version of armor there was none of that there were no tooltips that popped up that explained to you what it was it was just like oh all my armor works differently than it did yesterday for some reason so i just really appreciate having gone through that like now understanding stuff that i knew existed but didn't know why uh which is great yeah i i'm really enjoying it and it's it's everything that I kind of wanted it to be for my original time now that we're playing together and I hope we get a bigger group as time goes on yeah. but like honestly just playing it w- together is like kind of exactly what I need it to be yeah it's, it's a lot of fun yeah it's great I people have talked about this for a long time but like you know these live service games like Destiny are really fucking hard to make as evidenced by everyone else who's tried to make one I think yeah. kind of like dunking except for maybe the division I think is the other one that people seem to like um, yeah but you know, Destiny 1, when it came out, was in, like, a pretty, like, messed up spot for the most part. And then eventually became great when the Taken King expansion came out. was like, oh, yeah, they they figured it out. Now is when you should yeah. start playing Destiny. And Destiny 2 has weirdly gone in waves where it came out and, like, wasn't exactly what people wanted, but was still pretty good. And then got worse and then became what people thought the Taken King was for Destiny 1, which is like, oh, now is the best time. And then it got worse again and then it got better. And like, I feel like it's been kind of a tumultuous road for Destiny 2 specifically. Um, yeah. And where they've netted out, at least now, is like a point where I would recommend that people play it, uh, which is not where I was at at pretty much any point prior to this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. I, I remember when I played Destiny 2 for the first time, I had a friend over who had only played one and he was like, oh, I'm so, this is like what I wanted one to be, mm. like on launch. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back. It's cool. Yeah. Destiny 2, available on Game Pass. Yeah. Check it out. It's a, what a good bargain. <laughs> uh, you want to take a break and then talk about Yakuza? Uh, more than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah me let's too. do it. Yeah, I'm dying to talk about Yakuza. Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the channel. <laughs> yeah let's uh let's talk about yakuza i'm so excited me too uh yakuza like a dragon it is i guess like i said earlier the de facto launch title for the system 
for the Xbox specifically, it's not on the PS5 yet. It's not coming out until March yeah. on PS5. Yeah, it's on PS4 and I think Xbox One as well. So it's one of those like both generation launch titles, mm-hmm. which I imagine will probably be like the first couple years of the system. Yeah, it will have games like that. Um, this is a game that I was really excited to check out because Yakuza is a series that I feel like is very up our alley in a lot of ways, but we had never properly gotten into. Yeah. I had picked up Yakuza 0 like shortly after we started the show and it didn't really click right away but like I definitely like I definitely felt what was working and what wasn't yeah. and was like intrigued but just at that time I just got pulled in other directions but since like playing Yakuza 0 and like doing a bit more research on the series Yakuza like it has such a dedicated following you know it's it's notably much bigger in Japan but I think in the last like five years it's really found like a cult like following in in the west yeah definitely and I just felt like if there's a series that has this much passion in the fan base like it's got to be doing something right so I've always wanted to get back in but I wasn't sure which game and and I wasn't sure like if it'd be, if it'd be worth it and then they announced like a dragon not too long ago and it just looked so fucking cool. Like the the promos for this game were excellent. Yeah. And I think the story is immediately more interesting to me. Like the story is basically about uh this guy Ichiban Kasuga who is like this is in the promo material so it's not really a spoiler and it kind of is worth knowing to frame the rest of the game. He's this uh all the promos show is that he's like a dedicated loyal yakuza member you know, of of this patriarch of the family, the Arakawa family. And eventually he has to do time for the family. They're like, hey, like, we're in this tight spot. Uh, so-and-so got caught uh, doing X. And, and they can't go to jail, so you got to take the fall for this. Yeah. Yeah, and, he, and he's pumped, and we'll get into why. But he's <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I will go do time for you. Uh, so he goes to jail and then comes out 18 years later, and not only is no one there for him, they don't care at all. And when he tries to meet up with the head of the family, he gets shot by him. Mm-hmm. That's all in the promo of the game. Yeah. So like that's all knowledge you'll probably enter the game with. But I think what's really miraculous about the game is like how interesting it still is, even if you know what's going to happen. Yes. So I'll say I'll say right off the bat, I'm really loving this game. I think that this series, uh, for those unfamiliar, is kind of halfway between I don't want to say visual novel. But like straight up movie, like you're watching like a crime thriller for half of it. Yeah. Uh, And then the main gameplay traditionally has been like street brawling. Um, And that's always where the game gets kind of silly. So the game is kind of known and beloved for being this really interesting alchemy between really well done drama and like absurdity pure camp yeah yeah just pure camp exactly and like that comes together in like this kingdom hearts bizarre way of like (laughs) making it work so in older games um it was a little bit more of like a double dragon type fighting game i would link it directly to shenmue which took itself way more seriously yeah yeah totally there's a lot of like kind of quick time events and there are rpg elements where you can level up certain things and get new abilities but that's always been how it's played so it's been like half story half you know street brawling yeah um, generally pretending it wasn't an rpg 
where it very much right. was. But like it would never really like acknowledge that fact, I think. Even Judgment, which is the the one Yakuza game that I have played, which is a spin-off yeah. of Yakuza games. I loved Judgment when I played it when it came out. Um I, I thought this it's just I guess for context, if you haven't listened to that episode, but Judgment is like a spin-off of the Yakuza series, it takes place in the same city that all the other Yakuza games take place in. Um, but you're playing as like a private eye who's investigating the Yakuza instead of being part of the Yakuza, which uh really, really worked for me, but still was very much like same exact vibe you know you're you're going around doing detective shit but also in between you're just like randomly fighting people in the street using yeah. like a double dragon <laughs> kind of fighting system and right. it still was like leaning into being campy and stuff like that but really 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 great game i really enjoyed it but it, it was kind of my first inclination that like oh maybe i should check out the rest of the yakuza series and was kind of into it i downloaded a bunch of the yakuza games on my xbox one uh waiting for the moment when like inspiration would strike and then like a dragon was like oh no i'm just gonna hold off until that comes out because that seems to be where this seems to be like what they want the new entry point of this franchise to be this seems like a soft reboot of kind of the franchise for people who both for people who've been playing it for a long time and want something like new and fresh from the uh series and also people who've been interested in it for a long time like you and i have been yeah yeah so it's worth noting, too, that every Yakuza game, other than Judgment, which is the the spinoff, all the mainline Yakuza games have had the same protagonist. Yeah. So, like, his arc is basically done. And, and from what I know, he kind of had sort of like a Michael Corleone story where he, like, mm. was in the Yakuza and was trying to live a normal life. And from what little I played of Zero, he was, like, very serious, which, like, almost aided the comedy. Because, yeah. like... I think he's one of those characters that like has a very tough exterior, but like probably cares more than he lets off. Right. Whereas in Like a Dragon, uh, it's worth noting too, the game is is a full-ass JRPG. So they've dropped the pretense of not being one. Mm-hmm. It is turn-based combat. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. But like that's that that was known going in. And, and I think a lot of, from what I've read, and I think we'll probably put some, some articles in the show notes because there's some really great takes on this game that I think we'll probably align with. Yeah. But uh, a lot of fans were nervous about that transition but i think uh the way that the turn-based combat works is not too different from how the brawling felt like it has the same energy yeah they've just kind of cranked up the silliness to 11 and like that kind of permeates the whole game i think this game feels even though it has like really tense and dark moments it does feel sillier and campier and the protagonist is much more of a goofball and i will say i think the starring element of this game i love the main character I think they've done such a good job. Like, I think that big shoes to fill based on what I know of the fan base, you know, loving that old protagonist and how many stories have been told with him. Um, but Ichiban Kusaga, he opens the game being this like really lovable goofball who loves Dragon Quest, which is like <laughs> literally the reason the game is a JRPG. It's like through his perspective. So everything has like an RPG like lens to it. And he's like, it, it, it opens in 2000. It's like close to New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. It's about to be 2001. Y2K era so ichiban is like kind of you know he's really happy to be part of the arakawa family but like no one takes him seriously like the the family themselves like either hate him and like actively try to harm him like joe who is the like head of he's the treasurer of the family (laughs) yeah and is like you know straight up like threatening to cut off his fingers and and the jobs he's given are like busy work so the the patriarch of the family arikawa his son is in a wheelchair so like uh most of his responsibility is like just kind of taking care of the son and showing him around the city yeah but the son is like immediately more capable of anything than ichiban is so it's like yes 
almost just more of like a well okay just like make sure he's like safe you know right make sure he, make, make sure he doesn't do anything to get himself into trouble essentially yeah and but of course like he just has zero authority and even the people you meet outside of the yakuza are like are you still like the bottom of the ladder at that family <laughs> that's like not even that powerful yeah but he has this like undying loyalty to this family it, it's revealed in a really cool way why ichiban is so loyal and i think the game is kind of constantly exploring this idea of like Ichiban's perception and like idealized version of people and like who they really are yeah. or who they are trying to be. Reputation is a very prevalent theme where a lot of characters are putting up some kind of front to come off a certain way, even when they're not. And actually, the game opens with uh, the backstory of Arikawa, who you learn like a lot about. So, like, if you were to read a plot synopsis, you would probably frame him as the villain. But you just know as a player there's more going on. Right. You know, based on his backstory. And, like, I think the game's writing is at a level where I don't think he's just some kind of tragic villain. I think there's something else going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, the first, like, couple hours, I will say, like, I think this game has a little bit of a slow start. I was kind of drawn in immediately, but, like, mechanically it's not very interesting right away. Yeah, I was really surprised, actually, because you hop into the game and it's just, like, I would say two to two and a half hours of just, like, yeah essentially cutscenes with like little bits where you're walking in between the cutscenes, and like that's kind of it and like as you said the story is pretty gripping immediately but it did get me wondering like okay are they leaning too hard into narrative and like kind of removing the game side of this and it really is just that beginning bit it's like once you once yeah. you're once you get through the first like chapter ish they start to take the the leash off a little bit and let you roam a little bit freer. And then once you're in chapter three is when it's like, okay, you're in a city and you can just play Yakuza. Like you can play Yakuza yeah. the way you always have just, you know, with some added flair that we'll get into. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think the opening of this game, while great from a narrative perspective, feels really long and really slow. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a hurdle for some people maybe who like us haven't really played these games before. But if you can push through that, it is so worth it. Yeah, it really is. And I think like I'm at a point now where I have the full party. So like this is the first time yeah, because the game has had like other characters in your party that you control, like a Dragon Quest, you know, like group of characters. Yeah. I got the four characters on the cover and like the game has opened up in a way where there are like a million side quests to do, which we'll talk about. There's like a lot more agency over like you know there there are jobs to unlock for the characters that like change how they operate in a battle uh you can make your own equipment all that stuff is like really compelling but doesn't really happen until like nine hours in um (laughs) not to say the game isn't fun before then it very much is but you're like learning the plot and you're meeting new characters and they're like kind of sprinkling gameplay elements throughout but like i would say like pretty much once you like get out of prison after the 18 year sentence that's where the game like really hooked me yeah like that's where i think the story really takes off and i think it does a great job because even though the beginning might be a little slow because you have played as ichiban for like so long in 19 or in 2000 like getting out of prison and it's 2019 does feel like overwhelming you know yeah. like because you have to learn the new mechanics of the world he someone has to teach him how to use a smartphone like yeah there's a lot of really great fish out of water stuff but i think what's com- really compelling about ichiban is i was kind of expecting this game to go an old boy route where it's like a character who has been wrongly in prison for like way too long and comes out full of vengeance mm. 
But Kasuga, Ichiban Kasuga never loses his optimism, like no matter what. And I think that's really what makes him a great character. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even really mention this aspect of it, but like in the beginning when he is in the Yakuza, like for real, for real, he's like bad at it because he's so compassionate. You know, he's like, yeah. so he's such like a, he's such a cool dude in a lot of instances where like, yeah. okay, he's been ordered to go get money from this guy. And he goes, you know, to essentially bully a guy to get his money and, you know, beats the crap out of him because, you know, he puts up a fight and then like checks his wallet and he's like, oh, you really don't have that much money. And the guy's like, yeah, this is literally all I have and I'm going to give it to my mom so like she can, you know, go do some stuff this week. So then I'll be poor after that. And and Ichiban's just like, uh, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your money. I'm going to put it on the ground and I'm going to keep the wallet and I'm going to say there was nothing in it the whole time. You know, like yeah. that kind of thing happens a bunch in the opening. Um, That's just like one of a couple examples of him just like having a little bit too much of a heart to be a fucking organized crime villain. Yeah. <laughs> and and when he gets out of prison and he's kind of like released from the Yakuza life, essentially, um, and is able to just kind of explore a place and, and make his own way, that kind of compassion really, really comes through and really, I think, colors a lot of what happens in the game narratively, which I think is is really wonderful. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, do you want to talk a little bit about story-wise or do you want to talk a little bit more about the mechanic side of things first? I, I, let's, let's do story first. I think the mechanics are kind of like second to the narrative in a lot of ways. Yeah. But um, yeah. let, let's, while we're on the subject, we might as well go with story. Yeah, totally. So when, when you uh, get shot, eventually Ichiban wakes up uh, in what is essentially a homeless camp. Um, he's been patched up by, uh, this guy who was a nurse at one point, who's like a, you know, an ex nurse, um, who patches him up and is like, you were really close to getting shot, like directly in the heart. Um, and because it missed you is the only reason you're alive. It like missed you went clean through your back. So you're like, good. Um, it's going to take a little while, but you're going to recover. And what essentially ensues is, is Ichiban being like, oh shit, this isn't even Kamachuro, which is the where the other yakuza games take place and he's now in a new city called yokohama and he's like this isn't even the place that i recognize and everybody's like just don't go back to where you got shot like if they see you they're gonna kill you on sight essentially like they're gonna see that you survived and you're gonna die so you really need to like make this your new home essentially and he has no money and he has no job and he can't go back to the Yakuza, obviously. So he is, for all intents and purposes, like homeless and jobless and and has no money uh, and kind of tries to live in this homeless camp along with the guy who saved his life, um, which kind of sets off this series of events where instead of you going on this revenge quest, which is what I was expecting, as you were saying, it really does become about like, I have to find a job, I have to like have a sustainable income, and I need to just like set up a new life for myself. And and the game is starting to explore that via you like going to a place that gives jobs to people who are unemployed or, you know, gets people set up for interviews. It, it involves things like you, you know, lying on the ground to reach under vending machines to see if somebody dropped some money. It involves, uh, you know, you needing to fight people to make sure that you still have a place to sleep. It like gets into some heavier topics, I think. Um, and as you and I have been talking about a lot over the course of the week, as we've both been playing it, it's it's coming at it from an intention that is really admirable. What they're trying to do is really shine a light on this side of society that like generally goes ignored in storytelling, especially in video games. And is saying, like, these are real people, they deserve compassion, they deserve, you know, everything 
that 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 they that you're giving to every other member of society essentially so like embedding you in this homeless camp really gives you kind of a sense of what's going on at least in the psyche of of um you know the the people who made this game over in japan like kind of i think a more radical take on on homelessness um then you're probably going to get a in the states in general but probably also in japan yeah and what i found really compelling about that moment in particular is that like there was still an organizational hierarchy in the homeless camp yeah you know like like, I think that he ha- he has got a gl- Ichiban gets a glimpse of like how much work goes into getting the least out of a day. You know, like you have to play these like mini games to like find money and find food and supplies. And like at the end of the day, you have the equivalent of like five bucks in you know U.S. currency. Yeah. And like then there's you know a dude who comes by and like charges the homeless people rent for like no reason. Right. So there's so much that goes into that. I I found that section of the game pretty well done in in terms of empathy and like showing and i think there's a moment where ichiban's kind of headfirst heroicism backfires where he's like hey everyone let, let's go find jobs and and namba the expert is like why do you think everyone's here like we've all been like if we could all just get up and leave and you know the fucking bullshit pick ourselves up by our bootstraps like we would do that right but like we literally can't yeah like, and, and here, he's like i'm gonna prove it to you let's go to the what, right. what is it called um hello work hello work let's go to hello work yeah. and i'll show you what i mean and you go in and you sit down and you're like hey i'd like i'd like a job it's like okay what are you good at you know and he goes xyz thing these are the things that i'm good at and it's like okay what's your place of residence he's like oh i don't have one and like oh well then we can't give you a job like okay so I yeah have, I have to have enough money to find a to to be able to get a place to live, but I need a place to live to be able to get enough money in the first place. Um, which is like I think we'll get into it a little bit more later, but like it's it's where I start to push back on the game a little bit because there are certain instances like that where it's like, oh, you you're you have it. You're like so close to it. You you almost get exactly what you're trying to comment on here. Um, you know, in, in that like there's not enough blaming of like society for the way things are. Yeah. I think there's a lot of blaming the individual for the circumstances that society has laid upon them. And that's kind of where this game like goes back and forth where like, it doesn't get the message totally right. But as, as we mentioned, the intentionality is there. It really wants to do the right thing and say the right things. It's just like, so a little yeah. bit off in certain instances like that. Um, I think it's, I think it's because it has this RPG lens of like, you're leveling up and you're improving and you're getting more money because that's how our, RPGs work. Right. But it ends up becoming like inadvertently Randian by extension. Right. Like, I like, mean, even down yeah. to um, Namba is. Which is, is not the intention. It's not like totally not what they want you to feel, but it ends up happening by accident. Yeah. I, I think I think a, a great example is Namba, who is the nurse who patches you up, becomes a member of yeah. your party eventually. And like, so this is a game that's trying to shine a light and be empathetic towards uh, people without jobs and people without homes. And his attack, one of his attacks is like, oh, isn't my breath stinky? And then he like, he shoots his like bad breath all over the place. It's like, you're, you're actually doing a disservice to the message you're trying to tell by making that one of the attacks. And that really bums me out. But at the same time, again, there's, there's this undercurrent of like, I know what you're trying to do. And I, I have to give you some credit for that. And I, and I'm in this like weird in between state where every time they're like tackling an idea like this, um, there's always a little bit of like a jab at it that kind of makes it not land the way it's supposed to. And I'm like, Oh man, I want to love this so much because everything else about this game is incredible. I mean, I, I love this game. I really think it's incredible. And like, it's like, 
Yeah, it's simultaneously giving Namba a smelly breath attack and like giving his class like homeless guy, which feels kind of mean. Like the battling can, as as funny and silly as it can be, it can also feel very mean spirited at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's also a scene where like. Without spoiling, Ichiban and Namba finally get a place to live. And, like, seeing Namba be like, oh, my God, there's a roof. Like, yeah. Like, seeing him get so excited about that. And then they, like, have drinks. And he's like, so what did you want to be when you grew up? And and Ichiban's like, I mean, literally the hero from Dragon Quest. Right. And he's like, do it, man. Fuck it. And, like, that scene is so heartfelt and beautiful and, like, actually empathetic to Namba's situation. And, like, showing you what little things people can take for granted that are, like, triumphant in an RPG way. Mm-hmm. And then it has the like you have stinky breath <laughs> smell. Like, it's like they yeah. are both ex- wrestling with each other in this game. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's similar. Later, you get a, a party mate named uh, Seiko who is a bar hostess, and like I think she's a great character. But a lot of her attacks are like about like makeup and like fighting with a purse, and it just feels like okay, you've got the first like playable female character, and you're like making her fight this way. Like she's got some cool attacks, but like it's it's in that like homeless man with bad breath stereotype that like irks me a little bit you know even though like the battles are flavored that way to kind of break the tension and to like it's through it's through like ichiban's kind of juvenile perception of like life as an rpg there are a lot of times where it really works i mean there there are tag team uh moves where like it goes to this like limit break zone where like you know namba like lights them on fire and like seiko just kicks them like right in the crotch and and then uh, ichiban just drop kicks them in the face like it's that's amazing that stuff rules but like every now and then it feels a little bit like just mean it feels a little bit judgy for a game that's trying to preach acceptance yeah yeah absolutely yeah there's i i think i think one of the biggest scenes that uh we've seen mentioned in reviews and and uh just like takes on this game in general but like one example is as we mentioned uh ichiban grew up in a soap land and eventually you end up working at another one um and and it's actually the place where you end up getting a roof over your head and it's like kind of a it's kind of like a nice scene and the person who runs it is like just really like a wonderful person and is like i i want to make sure that all these girls like feel safe and secure and like have have jobs and like feel good about the work that they're doing and all this kind of stuff and it has this like really kind of positive approach to sex work in a way that i have never seen in a video game like just period yeah. in general and it's there's really wonderful and on top of that the villains it seems like that they're setting up are corrupt politicians who are trying to prevent all this stuff from happening they hate the homeless they hate sex workers things like that they're the villains of the game like they're setting this up narratively in a way that like really focuses on like having a positive and empathetic light on these people that I think society tends to tends to look down on. But then later on in another scene, you get hired at a different soap land and you start working for this guy. Like as you're sitting there before you even have the interview, the guy is just like destroying one of his employees over the phone, just like completely ripping her to pieces, like very clearly like abusing her emotionally and 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 verbally. Um and two of your party mates are like, hey, this guy sucks. I'm not working for him. I, I don't care yeah. that we don't have jobs. Like, I'm not going to work for a guy who is this fucking evil. Yeah. And Seriously. Ichiban stands up and he's like, I grew up in a soap land and I know that this guy probably has a heart and also cares about his workers. And they're like, no, he sucks. And Ichiban's like, I will get to prove you wrong by working for this guy. And he like gives this whole speech about how like, yeah, okay, so this guy might be mean, but that's just how you have to run this kind of stuff. It's like you. It's really weird. It's yeah. a weird tonal like shift for him because his whole like his weakness and his strength is his compassion and his empathy for others right. 
And for him to be like, I'm being compassionate and empathetic towards this guy who's a real piece of shit and not the person who's on the other end of the phone undercuts its entire positive message about sex work in general also and about like a, a, a like more positive way for this to exist in society, which is really frustrating. Uh, it is. Because every other scene is so well handled and like having this in the middle of it, it's like you can't ignore it. It's what happens in the video game. It's what happens in yeah. the story. You can't ignore this scene. It is a thing that th- happened. It is a belief that Ichiban has that this guy is also cool. Like that sucks. Um, yeah. But, but it is outshone by the other scenes that are handled better. I think when this game is succeeding both narratively and mechanically, yeah. like you will scream fuck yeah at the TV. Yes. Um, but when it fucks up, it's like so disappointing. And there's actually a great article that you shared recently on uh, Paste Magazine, I believe. We'll put it in the show notes, but like the writer of that article kind of goes into like why they really love the series, but what it can do better. And like from what I know of the series history, they've had a lot of problems with misogyny in the past. So like the fact that this game is trying to tackle these things is a big step but i think you need to rightfully critique the execution because it is off and like you know i from what i've also read this game it's the finale really pays off so like i'm committed to seeing it through nice but like i you know it's got some hurdles in it and if that's enough for you to bounce like that's totally understandable you know i think that like whether or not you have the stomach for those moments is totally subjective. Um, I do think, though, that like I appreciate this game. Like you said earlier, very few games are trying to tackle these issues, and I appreciate the intention behind it. Yeah, agreed. And the fact that like one of the heroes in your party is homeless, you know, like mm-hmm. that's great. You know, like I think the f- it's a little bit icky that they give him weird attacks, but like throwing beans to summon pigeons, amazing attack. You know, that's a that's a great yeah, example of something to do well that isn't like objectifying him for being homeless in a way that feels like he's less than. There's there's one line in particular that really stands out to me where it's it's you, your one of your other party members who we haven't even mentioned is uh, an ex cop. So it's you, Nanba, who is. Uh, the, the guy that you met at the homeless camp and then uh, this ex-cop and somebody, they, they refer to the three of you as an ex-yakuza, an ex-cop and a bum. And it's like, well, he's an ex-nurse. Like we know that, like narratively, yeah. like that's also probably what it says on his resume as well. Like they just, it, those little jabs that like really fuck yeah. me up, I think. Yeah, totally. But again, like as much as I, I can critique that stuff, it, it still has this like really warm intention behind all of it. Like it really wants to do good. And I think it does more good than harm. Um, I think so. Just yeah. with like these little incisions in between that like bum you out. But outside of that, like it's weird to go from, you know, this kind of like maybe critique of it to I think the more positive just like base level mechanic stuff but like the game is so fucking fun man it's so yeah, fun it's i mean really fun. as you and i talked about a lot like the dude loves dragon quest and that being the narrative reason why the game is turn based and like has a lot of literal shit ripped from dragon quest in it is so funny the fact that this game is just like a love letter to rpgs in general to go from not even really acknowledging that the yakuza series is an rpg to be like okay that's all it is now you and i recently talked about a a, a side quest where like you find a guy who is essentially professor oak and he gives you what is essentially a pokedex so you can keep track of all the different like yakuza and like just kind of like evil criminals like roaming around yokohama 
and you keep track of them like a Pokedex, and they all have like strengths and weaknesses, just like in Pokemon. Unbel- you have to you have to pick a starter essentially from him at one. Yeah, point. he said, "What's your favorite color?" And there's three dudes in different tracksuits. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Um, like everything about this game is just a love letter to RPGs, not just Dragon Quest, but the stuff that they pull from Dragon Quest also rules now as a big Dragon Quest fan. I I think I weirdly am maybe like the perfect audience for this game in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like not only have I wanted to check out Yakuza for a long time, but I've also recently become a big Dragon Quest fan. So like, it's like the perfect alchemy making the perfect game for me. Oh yeah. Out of nowhere. I mean, it's got, it's got like, you know, so the the way the turn-based combat works is like, it looks like the street brawling from the original games or the, from the previous entries. And you have like an attack option. You've got skills you can use that might require different button inputs like mashing X or timing Y. And it will tell you before you do the attack. And you can use items. There are summons on your phone that are like really bizarre. But yeah, it's like really, it doesn't lose the pacing of the original brawling, but it just gives you a little bit more strategy. And once you have four characters, it's really fun. Like, I mean, you know, Ichiban is kind of styled to be the hero. He's got a bat and, like, moves that, like, boost everyone's stats. Yeah. Adachi is sort of the tank, and he can do, like, sleuthing to, like, figure out stuff about the enemies. Um, Nanba is the mage in a lot of ways. Like, he's got, like, the fire and, and the pigeons, and he can cure people with his nursing ability, which I do really like. Yeah. And then uh, Seiko is weirdly, like, the rogue, where, like, a lot of her moves are about, like, you know, she'll, like, feign, like, an innocent pose to, like, lower the enemy's attack or like mm. uh my favorite she just has this like jodra's bizarre adventure series of punches that's like so good right so like having four characters is like really exciting and i think the game just plays really well and battles are over pretty quick i think they shine the most in the boss battles like the one-on-one fight with with uh, a certain character early on is like really really well done and then at a certain point when you have three members or when you have um when it's you adachi and nanba you fight like three henchmen that are kind of like mirrors of you so there's like a character who buffs everyone and heals them there's a character who's like clearly the tank that like enrages everyone so you can only attack him that stuff is like really well done i think everyone is surprised at how well they pulled off turn-based combat in this game yeah and on top of that like just roaming the city and going into different places like having meals with your characters that will boost your like persona relationship with them. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes is you go to a karaoke bar with Nanba and Adachi and like you're drinking and having a good time. And that's when they introduce the idea that like you can choose to have conversations with your party mates that will boost your relationship with them and give you an increase to certain social stats that actually do have an effect on battle. So like if you're kind, I think it will affect certain things or, or stuff like that. But what I really loved about that scene is One, the introduction of Persona Mechanics. You know I love that. (laughs) But two, uh, it was really heartfelt, and it kind of aids the camaraderie between the characters. Like, uh, It's apparently a bar that Adachi goes to a lot, and the bartender's like, hey... Like, take good care of that guy because we he comes in all the time and we haven't ever seen him this happy. Like, mm. like we, we haven't seen him get like happy drunk, like maybe ever. Like, he clearly likes you guys. Like, yeah. You know, and that, that, like, those moments, like those smaller moments are really heartfelt and I think do a lot to reverse the like ickier moments uh, later on or here and there. But like, the game is about sort of like 
finding hope wherever you can, you know, right. and I think it succeeds in that without blaming, you know, I think, I think mechanically it sometimes shoots its own message in the foot, but I think that like it is, it is going out of its way to at least try to shine a light on issues that are largely ignored, like nationwide conversations, never mind video games, you know, so yeah, yeah. I commend it for that, but definitely check out that Paste magazine article that I mentioned. Yeah, we'll put it in the I show notes. Th- yeah, I think they do a great job, like kind of both complimenting and critiquing the game in this way we bump into this a lot and i just want to say like we've covered a lot of games where we might be like hey they do this and this really well but like this kind of sucks and that's enough for you to not play that's cool i just want to let it be known like there have been games where i haven't played it because of that like there (laughs) there is a stopping point so like the fact that i'm still recommending this game at least for me means that it's done enough right to that I can in good faith recommend it. Yeah. Um, yeah whereas same. other games I've, I've, even if I've been enjoying them, I have to be like, I can't, I can't ignore this about this. And that's again, all subjective, but I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I mean, even going back to last week with Bioshock infinite, like I, I right. in good faith tried to go like engage with that game again a second time. And I turned it off within like two hours. It was yeah. just like, right. Oof. Uh, really brutal but anyway yeah th- this game rocks man uh, as you mentioned the the turn-based stuff really works I think all the in-between stuff is like if you're a fan of the Yakuza franchise or if you've played them a lot like it's gonna feel very familiar you know you're just exploring a different city now you're exploring Yokohama instead of Kamakuro but you know Yokohama is a cool place and I'm really enjoying it I mean some of the side quests are unbelievable uh, some of the like some of the things that you could just find around are spectacular um, I love you know I love a good photo mode and this game has a great photo in that it's just his camera and you just like walk around you can take pictures of people um i did the same thing in judgment a lot but i really appreciate that as you walk around with your camera out people will like stop and pose for you or whatever um especially your party mates like you can line up pictures where your party mates will like pose for you and you get to do like really great shots yeah it's just like a joy to be playing i mean you and i i would say probably are around this maybe maybe you've played a little bit more time wise than i have but like the thing is that even though we're so close in hours played, I've just spent so much time like wandering around Yokohama, not doing the story. I've just done like every side quest that's available. Really just kind of goes to show like this is just a Dragon Quest game. And that's that's oh, yeah. the name of the video. I mean, it's the subtitle of the game. It's like a dragon. I mean, they there are literally dungeons too. like there are yeah. dungeons that are straight out of like, OK, if you explore, you'll find items and maybe you have to fight more enemies. But there's like a clear point on the map that you have to go to. Yeah. But yeah, the the side quests are unbelievable. I mean, I just found one where uh, my favorite so far is Part Time Hero, where you meet this like really unassuming dude that is wearing like a speed racer helmet with like a mech thing, and he's like, "I'm the Part Time Hero." Like, and you get to fight him, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, you're much stronger than me. Do you want to be the Part Time Hero instead?" And like, there's just this image that of rules. him in like a bit, like a like a fluorescent lit beige office of this like kind of middle-aged businessman wearing this helmet like looking out the window and like this is so my shit like this is so funny to me yeah and i never the i think the 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 big favorite is the movie theater side quest where you meet this guy who opened a movie theater that like shows old b movies and he like loves them so you go in there and okay i'll watch one I'll, i'll i'll bite but then the owner of the movie theater like watches them next to you like he sits next to you and watches them and you're like shit well i can't like i'm really tired and this movie's boring but, but I, can't I don't want to be disrespectful to this guy the whole mini game is like men in business suits with lamb heads like kind of waving their arms trying to lull you to sleep and you, it's a rhythm game of like preventing yourself from falling asleep so funny there are some side quests that are like straight up bizarre like i don't even know if i liked this one but i have to mention it <laughs> um 
There's one where there's a guy like on the map, you'll see like kind of speech bubbles and, and those will maybe lead to a side quest. So there's like, there are static ones that you can always go back and do. Like you can always do like the gathering uh, recyclable cans for, for the, for the homeless guy side quest. You can um, do the movie theater ones. You can go to the place where you can upgrade weapons. Like all those exist forever. And then there are just weird one-off story side quests. The one I found, I was in an alley and this guy was being robbed by Yakuza for baby formula. And Ichiban's like, this feels weird. Like they're robbing him for baby formula. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So he comes in, he fights the guy, and the guy's like, oh my god, thank you so much. Like, I'm actually, like, a new father, and, like, it's putting the babies, like, a whole new responsibility I'm not used to. And my wife and I are, like, kind of have a strained relationship. And you can give him advice, which will raise a certain stats. So I said, like, hey, like, listen to your wife, dude. Like, she's also going through the same strain you are. you got to work together on this, yeah. you know? Uh, and it raised my kindness. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, okay, well... And then as you're talking, you hear a really loud baby cry. And you're like, oh, my God, is someone delivering, like, in this alley? Like, he's like, well, shit, get some hot water for this baby formula so we can help out. So you run to the cafe, you get hot water. The barista's like, oh, my God, yeah, I'd be happy to help. Oh, my God. Here's some hot water. You run back, and you go upstairs, and it's a bunch of fully grown men in diapers, like, on the ground, going like, wah, wah. Holy shit. <laughs> and, like, and, of course, you go up there, and, and they're like, of course, the guy in a diaper is a Yakuza patriarch who's like, why are you here? I'm going to kick your ass. So you fight them. You fight all these men in diapers. Whoa, okay. Uh, and then when you finish, it's it, they're like, shit, you're tough. Like, what do you want? Are you going to tell everyone, like, our secret? And the guy's like, no. Like, I literally thought there was a baby in trouble. I didn't realize there was a bunch of Yakuza in diapers. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, you must be a really good father if you would just, like, <laughs> risk everything to help out a baby. And like, they all kind of stand up. And then the the woman there who's, like, I guess their escort or something in this scenario. She's like, yeah, like, you've got to listen to your wife, dude. Like, this is the thing that you've got to work together. And, like, yeah. they all give, like, th- these men in diapers and, and this woman give really thoughtful thoughtful advice on parenting to this guy and it's like so bizarre um but like was weirdly heartfelt and then then they ask ichiban like while we're here do you want to like raise a glass of milk or two and like you can say yes or no and i was like i guess i'll say yes and then they like try to put you in a diaper and ends but like and then now i can summon that yakuza patriarch in a diaper to lower everyone's attack and defense on my phone amazing so like i can't say if that's a good scene or not but just the image of them being like dude like listen to each other like in this yeah. like bizarre setting is so like descriptive of like the very absurd humor in this game uh yeah really bizarre but like somehow pulling off that scene and also pulling off like the i think the, the core drama the like the thing that they know you're most invested in and that will probably have the biggest payoff in the end is the relationship between ichiban and arikawa mm. like that is like clearly the heart of this story and I can see it going in any direction, which is really cool. So, like, I'm very excited to see where the story goes. Yeah. I I have some inklings as to where it's going, and I'm very interested to see how it plays out. But, yeah. The, yeah. Um, side quest-wise, really good. All the ones you mentioned. Um, I'm not going to say what happens in it, but have you done the pawn shop one yet? No, I haven't. Okay. The pawn shop is near... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you, and for those of you playing, uh, it's near where the can collecting minigame happens and the homeless shelter. Um, just look for mm-hmm. like a speech bubble around that area. Um, there are a couple really good side quests in that area, uh, but one of them is a pawn shop one that I highly recommend doing. Um, Hell yeah. Really, really good. Just like 
incredibly moving. Yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon is a good game, uh, and it's a yeah. great game for your Xbox Series S. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I think if you're an RPG fan, you're going to like it. And from what I've seen, it seems like the Yakuza fan also really likes this. So yeah. if you're a fan of either, I mean, I feel like if you're a Yakuza fan, you probably also like RPGs. But like, it seems to be succeeding on multiple levels for people. Very much. Yeah, um, I'm loving. It. I'm definitely going to play a lot more of it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Me too. I imagine we'll talk about it again at some point. Yeah, probably. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. End of the year goatee episode. <laughs> cool. You want to wrap up? Yeah, let's let's wrap up. Um, thank you all. My coffin's getting, uh, it's calling to me. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs> and stitcher now available it's been there for a while i know but it's it's now available but it was available too um oh that's true anyway uh <laughs> thank you all so much for listening uh you can find us on the internet uh go to into the cast online uh that's our links to twitter and instagram but also our twitch and our youtube uh i stream every weekday morning on twitch uh, i've been doing links awakening i'm gonna be done with that game soon which is cool uh, don't know what the next game is gonna be but i sure i'm excited to find out and uh what else is happening i i've been streaming on fridays so i've, I've been doing uh, i was doing my bloodborne stream for a while i want to hold off on that for a bit i might my plan right now is to return to that either whenever inspiration strikes or uh, or and or this will definitely happen uh every october uh in addition to playing horror games i'll go back to my bloodborne playthrough so like every halloween season i'll slowly go through the game um so that should be fun but all that to say the reason i've kind of put it on the back burner is that um i'd like to start streaming other games from the xbox uh, i usually stream on friday so uh i may start my longly awaited oblivion stream i may start a dragon age stream and just do that whole thing like with a new character that could be a lot of fun definitely let us know what you'd like to see I, I did a survey not too long ago, um, but expect like all that eventually. So that's on the horizon for me. Yeah. So all, all the links to all that stuff uh, into the cast online, you can go check it out there. Also, there is a link to our discord. Please join our discord. It's really fun. It's really good. There's a lot of good people in there. Uh, it's been growing a lot recently. So thank you all so much for uh, just like hanging out in there. Uh, some really great stuff happening. Um, I think our big like goatee survey is going to happen soon, which I'm excited to see what the community picks for their goatee list. And we also have a link uh, on Into the Castle Online to our Patreon. Um, hey, if you are backing the Patreon in any way negatively impacts you financially, please do not back the Patreon. It is totally okay. But uh, thank you to those of you who have been backing the show. Uh, backing the show just allows us to like do more, like check out games that we're like, kind of iffy on, but you know, like we kind of want to check out for the show or things like that. It allows us to get more equipment so we can do more things. Steven just got that new headset so he can stream from his Xbox, which is great. Um, things like that. So uh thank you all for making that stuff possible and um yeah just in general thanks for listening to the show um it's cool to be entering a new generation of consoles uh while is, recording yeah. a podcast about video games um that's that's a fun kind of it's exciting thing to be doing and i can't wait to talk about what else is happening in the next generation uh as as it continues along next time we do a games of the decade episode uh we'll have a lot of next gen games to talk about which is fun oh yeah yeah it's really exciting that this year is ending on a new generation and like it might take longer for that to really pick up steam but it's going to be great regardless it's going to be a fun time yeah all positives yeah all of that said uh you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at stephen hilger uh have a wonderful day goodbye everyone goodbye everyone <laughs> hello no one <laughs> hello coffin <laughs> i want to go to sleep <laughs>
Fabula Crystallis collection. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.